Hello and welcome to episode 152 of the Random Channel Podcast. The Chikorita episode, right? Yes, that is correct. Last yeah. episode was Mew, this is Chikorita. Yeah. And next is Bayleaf. Yeah. I'm just showing off my Pokemon knowledge now. But anyway, I'm Jason. Actually, props. I'm actually, well, no, yeah, I am surprised you remembered the name of... I had Chikorita and Pokemon Silver, which, by the way, yeah, but, I mean, is the but, best but, is the But best by my logic, Pokemon you would have game. never gotten to the point where Chikorita would evolve. Well, two things. One... <laughs> When I said best Pokemon, I meant best Pokemon game. Chikorita is not the best Pokemon. I should clarify that. And two, um, no, I beat Gold and Silver and Red. Or, well, no, I beat Silver and Red. I never played Gold, but I beat Silver and Red. That Then my gaming activity like went down a cliff. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm Jason. <laughs> what a way to start a podcast about <laughs> Nintendo. Right? I'm Jason. I don't play video games. <laughs> and he's Angel because he's not saying his name, so I'm doing it for him now. And I Oh, that's right. Well... Yeah, you, you screwed up our whole intro, so I had to fill in for well, you. Well, thank you. So we're make a good team. We, exactly. Anyway, this episode is the Chikorita episode. We're calling it Rough and Tumble, and we are actually, it's fitting that you brought Pokemon because we're talking a lot about Pokemon. The Rough and Tumble name comes from the fact that you, later in the show, speaking of me not playing games, you have impressions to share games you've been playing. I've been playing nothing new, but you have Tumble Seed and Ultra Street Fighter 2, the final challengers, to share. So we'll be doing that later in the show. But on the news front, there's a Pokemon Direct. There were new Pokemon games announced. There are new mobile Pokemon games announced. There's Pokemon Go stuff happening. There's a lot of Pokemon happening. And beyond just Pokemon, there's kind of steady March T3 with more pre-show announcements from Nintendo and others. So we're going to be talking about all that, including third-party Switch games and the like. So if there's anything specific you are here, we have timestamps at RamTown.com on the blog poster. So you can use that to go to any specific topic. And if you look at that list of news we're discussing, it's actually kind of interesting because... It's we're we're mere days from E three when we record this. We're recording this two days before, well, three days I guess before it goes up two days before Nintendo's um, big spotlight presentation. And in the past, it's usually been that most of Nintendo's own news was saved for that spotlight for that presentation, the direct, the press conference, whatever it may be, at E three. And the only time they would put stuff out ahead of time is if they wanted to clear up bad things, like get the Wii name out of there in two thousand six, you know, get it out to the public before. It consumes all the good news because everyone's like, what's a Wii? That's a dumb name. So they did it weeks in advance. But they used to save everything else for the big show. And now this year we have Nintendo very consistently revealing new things week after week, month after month leading into the show. Like we had the 3DS lineup back in late April. We had the surprise reveal of the 2DS XL about a month ago. We've had ARMS the past month. We had the Pokemon Direct with Pokin and Ultra Sun and Moon just this past week. Even in Japan, Nintendo's like, pushing out things like, oh yeah, Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios, yep, that's that's now officially happening, we broke ground, and we'll tell you Mario Kart's from other rides. Like, they're just steadily throwing news out there instead of just bundling it all together. Although, the, the Universal one is more of a coincidence, but still. Uh, I guess my point is, it's kind of smart. It lets them dominate the news cycle longer, It they're not overshadowing themselves, and for us... It means that our podcast, every couple episodes, you know, these last few episodes going to E3, we actually have things to discuss, which is kind of nice. It's not it's not just like, oh, we have to speculate and then speculate some more and then speculate some more. It's actually news. So as such, since this episode's so close to E3, since I'm sure a lot of people listening aren't going to hear this till during or after E3, we're not really going to be speculating about E3. We're not really going to be talking about what will Mario Odyssey look like? Will the booth be New Donk City? The answer is yes, by the way. We're going to – none of that. We're just going to talk about what Nintendo's actually talked about, which – it's kind of a change of pace for most like pre three shows we've done. So, so all this is to say, let's talk Pokemon. That's all of the long build up to it. Let's talk Pokemon. 
And when Nintendo first promised a Pokemon Direct this past week, I think a lot of people were expecting it was going to be that long-rumored Pokemon Stars. That was going to be the focus. And to Nintendo's credit, we did get a Pokemon game on Switch. We did get a continuation of Pokemon Sun and Moon. The only thing is it ended up being two entirely separate projects. Yeah, the Direct ended up being basically focused on Pokemon. That took up like more than half of it. And then Stars yeah. had was like 45 seconds and it or wasn't something. Even, yeah, and it wasn't even Stars. Now it's Pokemon Ultra, Moon, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Which, yeah. come on, just call it Eclipse. Pokemon Solar Eclipse, Lunar Eclipse. Yeah, Suns are Stars. Come on, people. Yeah, like what? what is this madness? <laughs> but um, yeah, the big surprise, I think, was that Pokemon Tournament was in it at all surprise for most people yeah i mean you called it the night before that was impressive because we for we were talking about me and um we were talking about on the phone the night before like oh where we think it's gonna be and i was like oh it's probably gonna be stars like there's rumors it might be a sequel you're like no it's gonna be poking like what no it's not you're like yeah yeah it's gonna be poking and sure enough at 702 a.m i text you like yeah it was poking (laughs) poking dx Pokemon Deluxe, Pokemon Pokemon Tournament Deluxe. Is it not DX? But they pronounce it Deluxe. Oh, it, which is weird because why, why don't they just write Deluxe at that point? But well, yeah, but yeah, it's so for those who don't know what comes in Deluxe, it's everything from the Wii U version, right down to things like the Amiibo support. It's all the new stuff they put in the arcade version, which includes fighters like Dark uh, Darkrai, Scissor, and Empoleon, uh, Krogurk. New support. What? Did I say Krogurk? Yeah. Like Gogurk, w- but with Kro- what's Krogurk? I don't know. I think I just made up a Pokemon. Uh, Krogunk? Yeah, Krogunk. Yeah. I don't know why I said Gurk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where I came from. But Krogunk. Me neither. Thank you. Me neither. Uh, they're all playable fighters. They add some Sun and Moon characters. Including like, Decidueye. But that's yeah, not, well, yeah. yeah, but yeah, he's not He's brand over, new. Yeah. And then they add, like I was going to say, they add some Sun and Moon characters. So we have Litten and Popolo, Poplio being... Um, assistant characters and then more significantly like you said decidui is a brand new fighter just to the switch version i believe yes so on top of that number of new modes obviously it supports um obviously it supports joy cons which means you can play two people on one machine or you can do multiple machines and within those options there's now a three-on-three battle thing it's called team battle mode where you sort of just stack multiple pokemon it's almost like a real pokemon battle except you're fighting one one then you yeah that's the one i'm most interested in i'm really curious about that just because i don't know it just seems really fun just like having an anchor picking out a strategy like oh do you want to start with my damage hitting one or my mm-hmm. keep away one it definitely adds some more depth to it. yeah exactly while adding a more pokemon element to it there was already i mean there was already kind of pokemon element to it just it's what we've always wanted just a free roaming pokemon fighting game yeah. Well, I've always wanted one. Just like, I always tried to make do with Smash Brothers when we only picked Pokemon, but obviously this is more of what we would dreamt. Right. Well, we all, I assume you mean you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm not, like, there is something to be said for, like, having a Pokemon game like that. And I think everyone's always wanted kind of a more visceral Pokemon game, and Pokemon sort of delivers that. But in, in addition... Yeah, because, I mean, not everyone likes RPGs. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously very popular, but at the end of the day... It's not what we see on the TV show growing up. It's like, we want to be able to do those stupid maneuvers that Ash does. We're like, oh, Pidgeotto, dodge. I mean, that's not a command, but Pidgeotto just dodges. Like, All right, yeah. This is Unlike in Pokemon. Or it Pikachu, just attack his dodges. lightning rod. I mean, attack his horn to act as lightning rod to kill him. Right. Yeah, this is more of a... Pokemon for all that isn't Yeah, because typing doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, they're in a little dome where typing is essentially negated. Yeah. Which is kind of which makes how it... the cartoon is. I mean, obviously, there's like that episode where 
Pikachu beats Onyx because he has waterfall on him and then electrocutes him. But like for the most part, the Pokemon show isn't as much about the types as the games were. You know? Yeah, the game definitely emphasizes it a lot more because you could literally one KO everything. Yeah, with the right moves. And in addition to that three-on-three mode, it's worth mentioning there's also... No, it's its own Marvel vs. Capcom because we're not getting that, even though that's going back to two-on-two, but... Yeah. We, yeah, that's weird. That There's a lot of games you'd think the Switch is getting that's not. Like, where's Mega Man Legacy Collection 2? Why is it not <laughs> no, the, the ones that make the most sense. Why is like... Bubsy's revival? First of all, why is Bubsy being revived? But ignoring that, why is that not on Switch? It's a platform. That Twitter that sense. conversation was... Oh, between Sonic, Bubsy, and Mega Man? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty good. But, like, where, where's Bubsy at? Which I never thought I'd ask, but seriously, why do we not have that? It doesn't doesn't make sense. But anyway, Pokin. We were talking Pokin. Um, along with the three on three mode, for those who don't know, there's also now daily challenges to complete. There's a group match mode where you can play against similarly ranked people online, which apparently is new, even though I think it had an equivalent before, but yeah. they're pitching it like it's new. I mean which I'm confused I by. played a I played a good amount of ranked mode on the other one and it seemed like it always paired me with someone of similar rank. The, well the other weird thing is they're hyping up this new ranked mode, but I, when I got here, you were playing Pokin. Like, when I walked into the room, you were right there. It said ranked mode. So what was different? Have they, they haven't I said have, I guess unless they changed the inner workings of it, I don't know. Like, maybe it must have something to do with the group matching. But it's weird that they're hyping up these new features that already exist. Yeah. if they don't. And this one, I and I did look in there. It does actually have, like, the exact ranking you're on. Like, there's a separate mm-hmm. menu where you can see, like, oh, okay, I'm 300 out of a million players. Like, all right, so I'm not that so bad. It, so it can't be that they're, like, I'm, cleaning up the rankings because they're already I guess not they're cleaning just, up but scoping out the rankings because they already have it fully yeah I guess making it dumped. more seamless I don't know maybe I mean they're now saying there's like three different online modes rank friendly whatever but I, I doesn't normal Pokemon have that too well there's two there's ranked and friendly right and that's it All so, for online oh okay yeah yeah so, I guess maybe group matches the third I don't yeah, know I guess. The, the other cool thing they did say they're adding which I believe I guess it's three versus three so I guess oh uh, yeah yeah no. But that's team battle. That's not group match. Group match is just the ranking system. It, it's zero, <laughs> the, I swear, that press release is the most confusing thing. But one cool thing they said in there that they didn't say in the direct either, but was in the press release, is um, you can save replays. Oh, that is pretty cool. Yeah, so you can go back and kind of study your moves and study your opponent, which is something ARMS also does that Nintendo's not really talking about, but ARMS has a full replay feature as well. So that is two. They're all taking two a page from Mario Kart, except these are... Useful. Yeah. Well, they're being they're being seen. Well, they're being pitched more as tools as opposed to like watch my cool epic finisher. Even though it could still be that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it works both ways. But yeah, okay. I, I think part of the pitching is tools is this whole slant towards esports. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, first, I mean, are you double dipping? You're the fighting game buff. Are you gonna get poke? Like, are you when you saw this? So, Pokemon was something you always wanted. You have Pokemon on Wii U. Now it's on Switch. Are you like, oh, sweet, I'm buying it day one, or? Like where are you standing? Yeah, I guess this? I am. I mean, I don't know. It it was like a it was like being on a roller coaster. Seeing Pokemon <laughs> announced again with all the DLC Pokemon, which I got a chance to mess with a good number of them in Japan. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, Weavile is the one I like to play as, and my one and my favorite Pokemon from that roster. So I'm not really gonna. The game doesn't really change much for me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, yeah. But it still got me excited for it to be on the Switch because that's pretty cool. Like I don't have to turn on my Wii U and it's portable. Right. And the game... And you just pass a Joy-Con to yeah. your friend if you want to play and use uh, bad controls. Like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, the game just looks really nice, too. I mean, if you completely ignore the backgrounds, because if you bother to pay attention to any of the Pokemon in the background, the game looks terrible. 
Remember we talked about yeah. the animations on yeah. some of those. They're yeah, yeah. You, for those who weren't listening at the time that we talked about Pokemon, which was what two years ago, as Angel's an animator, he wants to do animation professionally ultimately, and it drove you crazy, right? That the backgrounds were like the three frame animations or something like that. Well, what was well, the exact story of it? Like it was like they well, were well, very, yeah, they, well they just have no weight. Like yeah, some of them were just terrible like i don't know you, you, you have to see it like there's one i think the one that comes to mind the most is um there's a pokemon on a trampoline and it doesn't really even look like he's jumping it just looks like he's being levitated up and down at the same rate right but i mean this game's like um like street fighter and tekken they have characters that don't really have a lot of i mean they don't have a lot of polygons on them they're just like barely rendered just to be there as background characters but yeah. they still bother to give them enough believable motion that they seem like actual background characters but mm-hmm. which is something well arms we, we, they're we, more detailed but arms does that really well with the background characters where they're dressed in like the oh like the, uh, the style okay. of the it, it, i don't know that one just feels like mario baseball it's like you have like a like the first row is like actual cg characters and then everything beyond that is just like 2d oh sure that that's yeah. still more than like it's uh, kind of distracting what Pokemon does well, distracting but yeah well you have an yeah. eye for it so yeah, l- i mean luckily um I mean, you're, your eyes are mainly focused on the fight, so you don't you almost forget about that instantly. It's more of a when you're watching other people fight that I tend to look at the backgrounds. Right. But I mean, in spite of all that, like I'm still I'm definitely looking forward to the game. But playing it again definitely reminded me why I stopped and just went back to Smash Brothers. Which... Yeah, because you're you're hype. Like you're like I'm gonna go back to the right. You're I'm gonna go back to the Wii one. I'm gonna play that again, and you have. So what 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 like squashed it? What what or what lessened the hype? Pretty much what to... we were talking about last time about um how lack of depth, how arms I guess is a f- even more broken down version of Pokemon uh-huh. because it's like oh you either you either block grab or attack but except everything is delayed like everything takes a while for that to happen when you attack there's like a waiting period. This one, I think in fact I don't know they're almost on par with each other as far as depth goes. I'm not saying like that there's no depth at all but. Like, I don't know. It feels like once you throw out an attack, you have to wait for a long time just to see that attack resolves. So there's and, there's not a it's not like the freestyle combo system or something like Street Fighter Smash where you can chain together things. Any yeah, which even way. Street Fighter for the to a certain extent, like you're kind of like stuck with whatever input you put in, which is yeah. fine. I mean, that's just part of it. You, I mean, you pretty much pay for your decision. Mm-hmm. But I feel like at the end of the day, just, that just makes it more of a guessing game, and just. Like who can out rock paper scissors the other person better? Right, it's the attack and, triangle again. Yeah, like it's like they really put emphasis on the attack triangle. Like a lot of the moves in Pokemon, it's just X X X X X X or up X X X X X X. Like you're pressing the same button a lot of times, and the other person can either um, press the counter move or jump over it and wait to attack you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's I don't know. It, it's literally just a guessing game, like a high paced guessing game. Right, and then I went back to Smash Bros. just to like, just to immediately just feel like that. Like, I mean, I guess just because I played Pokemon like a few moments ago, like, all right, how does Smash Brothers feel? And that one just feels like you have, I guess, full control of everything. Like, I feel like right. I could jump over it. I don't know, like, stop myself in between every single attack. I could throw the same attack in multiple directions. But I don't. Know, I guess it's just more creativity in how you choose to approach people, and that's I guess this is what I really liked. I still like, I still can enjoy Pokemon, but enough so that you won't get. It, uh, yeah, enough for me to get dead. it. But I think it's just gonna be sort of the same purpose that Arms will for me for a while, unless Arms eventually grows on me. It still can. 
Well, it seems like it has since we even gave our impressions a couple. Not by much. I mean, it has, but yeah. I still kind of feel the same overall about it. Sure. But, I mean, it could still pull a Monster Hunter on me for all I know. Mm-hmm. Even an Ace Attorney. Why is that always Capcom games? I remember outright Capcom's choosing not to get... thinking you won't like things. Yeah, because I remember even, like, choosing not to buy Ace Attorney because it looked... I thought it looked really boring and, like, why would I want to play as a defense attorney? That sounds dumb. And yeah. now it's, like, one of my favorite franchises, if not, like... It might my be your favorite. favorite. Yeah. It might be your favorite. Between that and Rhythm Heaven, I just really love it. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that, that, that could still happen. Yeah. But for now, yeah, it's like, oh, all right, I'll play ARMS until Pokemon comes out. I'll play Pokemon until the next Pokemon comes out. Right, Mario Odyssey. Just, just to have variety. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah that, that's the... So that's where I'm at with it. I'm just going to play it because it's available on the sure. Switch. I mean, hey, why not? But yeah, cause, I mean, even for, for me, I feel like it's even less because I'm not... I don't think I'm going to double dip on Pokemon. I mean, I'm excited to try the Sidewai. I mean, he was one of my favorite new Pokemon just because he's a bird. Yeah. He's a cool-looking owl. And he looks very great. wise, more so than... Most Pokemon. Yeah. Probably because he's I nicknamed mine Robin Hoot. But yeah. It's pretty solid. Pretty solid. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to double dip. Like, I can't... You bought it. You bought I it? I have it on Wii U. Huh. Yeah, we talked about it on show. At the time, I was saying it's great. It's like, Weird. to your point about how it's kind of like there's not much to it beyond the uh, attack triangle or the move triangle. That was the whole thing I was saying that I really liked about Pokemon when it first came out. It was just kind of like, oh, I'm not the best at fighting games. This kind of makes it, like, easier for me to ease in. And then I did ease in for a little while, and I'm like... Well, okay, that's that. That was done. Like, it, it was fun while it lasted, but it didn't, like, resonate with me enough to necessarily feel like I have to double dip, like, say, Mario Kart 8. And the thing with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is arguably the amount of new content Deluxe has in Mario Kart World and Deluxe Zero? has in Pokémon World, the amount of new stuff they add is probably comparable. But, what? You're giving me a funny look. You don't think so? Wait, there was new content in Deluxe? In or Mario just, Kart 8? Or just, oh, the whole battle mode and oh. new racers. And in Pokémon, there's a whole new fighting mode see, and new when you fighters. Say, see, new racers, I feel like, don't count. Because okay, new that, carts, new carts, new carts. Again, like, that doesn't really change anything. Because their cart stats are already in pre-existing cards. They're literally just alternate skins. Right. Like, it doesn't change All the right. game. If you added actual racing tracks, that, I feel, actually adds constant. Okay, game. fine. So Pokémon then has I mean, and the battle, and, and, the, and the battle mode, I've literally not touched since that initial. We get to well, you don't try like them out. Mode, so that's a little different. I know. But well, exactly. I yeah, mean, no, the point I was getting at. Well, I was trying to I say... I mean, Pokémon at least adds another character, which actually does add something else to try. And and I guess as far as the U.S. goes, it does add six characters. What well, well, I was getting at, because I think I think you latched onto the wrong part of my point, because I was in midpoint. What comparable? I was getting at, no, what I was saying is Mario Kart 8, which I thought was comparable, okay, fine, has even less than Pokémon, managed to make me double dip, but something about Pokémon isn't hooking me the same way. That's what I was trying to get at. But... I don't know what it, I, I don't know what it's it is. Genre? Like, it's, it's the, it might be the genre. The specific type of fighting game. It might it be is. the type of fighting game. I don't know I mean, what I, exactly it is. There's nothing wrong. With, I think it's great they're doing it. It makes oh yeah, total I sense. I feel like that would be but, it. Because I mean, Mario Kart. I feel just. I mean, we just like it. I mean, it's just a really yeah. fun game. Yeah. I yeah. Def, I definitely would have kept playing it We're even also if it, at it even if it wasn't available on the Switch. I probably would have still kept my Switch connect my Wii U connected just right. to play it once in a while. Right. Not to mention, it's just a fun game to play with a lot of people. Pokemon is just. You're either playing online or against one mm-hmm. other person. And... Well, Pokin, Pokin makes sense on Switch for a lot of reasons because of that. Like, you're playing either online or against a person. Like, Pokin, to me, is this idea of the Switch is this multiplayer machine that, you're posi- that Nintendo's positioning as this multiplayer machine. And Pokin is just perfectly in line with Splatoon and with ARMS and with Marker. Like, it just makes sense. I think the term that... Tatsumi Kimishima used back in their financial briefing was like their their slant on the Switch this year is 
local competitive multiplayer that's like the whole theme of the switch and poking slots right in with that like it makes um total sense that's on there so i totally get why they're doing it it's just me personally i don't know but mm-hmm. but like from a marketing perspective it is super... their most traditional fighter as far yeah. as fighters go yeah and from a marketing perspective and even then like i mean i do love that it has that whole unique take on like being both a 3d fire at fighter and a 2d fighter all in yeah. one yeah, it's really smart. Cause I mean, it definitely, yeah, Pokemon's really cool. Like, I, it, it does a lot of things right. I mean, it's the fact that those mechanics do just make the game fun on its own right. But, yeah. Yeah, if you, it, it's interesting because, like, if you look at the market... Well, if you look at just the lineup, everything that's playing out that's, like, these competitive multiplayer games are all unique in some way. So you got ARMS, which is just different. You got Splatoon, which is, like, a weird take on shooters, ultimately. You got Pokin, which... different. Yeah, well, well, you know what I mean. But you got Pokin, which is um, kind of the closest thing to Real Fire, but also its own unique thing because of this 2D, 3D, because it has Pokemon. Like, they're, none of these are just like, hey, we need a fighting game. It's like, how do we Nintendo-fy these things in some way? Like, all three of them, I think, kind of fit that bill. Mario Kart, obviously, is just a racing game Nintendo-fied. I mean, if we distill it. Like, they all have a through line of local competitive multiplayer with some sort of Nintendo twist. Nothing's mm-hmm. just standard. And if you want standard, you got Street Fighter. Or you got Street Fighter. That's it, actually. Or the Neo Geo games. Or Pocket Fighter, whenever that comes out. So it kind of complements each other. But from a marketing perspective, it's su- like Pokemon is such an easy sell for Nintendo. I mean, d- did you see that Summer Switch trailer they put out where it's just like, hey, here's a bunch of cool trendy millennials and they're all competing against one each other, one, against one another in ARMS and Pokemon and Splatoon and they're in a garage that looks like an unused set from that 70s show and they're just playing their Switches and it looks like a grand old time and that's like such it's basically like those Wii lifestyle trailers but it's a bunch of like more hardcore games it's a really easy sell for gamers for non-gamers it just looks like fun and then on top of that they got the esports angle which it, Nintendo seems to be pushing super hard now like on one hand you got the lifestyle marketing but then you also and Pokemon slot, slots into this directly given that they're doing a tournament for it at E3 you got the esports thing. Like Nintendo's going hard on esports now, and I think when Kimishima was saying the whole local competitive multiplayer comment, I don't think he just meant like the summer Switch share where some people get together and play games. I think he literally meant we're doing esports. Just didn't say those exact words. And I don't think this is not a major revelation by any means. I mean, it's pretty obvious they're going this route. They opened that. Well, Twitter. I mean, it was going to happen whether they wanted it or not. I mean, yeah, it's like so a Smash Brothers. That's been a pretty big. Yeah esports thing and, and now nintendo's just kind of jumping on the bandwagon like they have that new twitter account for nintendo versus which exists specifically to cover nintendo esports at e3 as i mentioned they have live tournament stream live streaming tournaments of arms splatoon pokin if you look back at like the switch unveil trailer splatoon was in an esports setting if you look back before that nintendo's been sponsoring smash tournaments and evo and whatnot for a few years now but what i think is different now and i think pokin's just the latest example of this is nintendo's not just recognizing there's a subset of players who happen to like to play competitively and being like, yeah, we'll throw them a bone. They're actively working to like entice and cater to those competitive players. Like they're they switch from being like, we're making games for this audience, and those competitive players just happy to shoe into it, kind of like how they handle Smash. To we are making these games for these competitive players. Like it's a key part of the game's vision and goal and why it exists. And you see it. In a lot of moves they've made lately, I'd say. Like, some are more obvious than others. I mean, having two fighters and a shooter come out in three months on a system that can be plopped into any TV anywhere just begs to be used in esports, right? Like, you have two of the most competitive genres, and you're basically like, hey, just bring your Switch, plop it in, and boom, you're in the tournament. Done. 
Like, most people, I'm sure most torrents won't actually let you just plop it in, because, well, if you hacked it or whatever. But in theory, it's it's super logical. But then, like, even if you just look at what they're doing with Splatoon, everything they're doing with Splatoon is, like, competitive play focus now. Which is funny, because the first Splatoon was not, like, at all that same... I, it was, but they weren't, like, outright doing it. What I mean is, like, if you look at... You know, they're, they do, they're doing things like um, land connections. You can now wire all your switches together and do land connections for Splatoon and have a private spectator mode where basically you can have a camera guy that does dynamic angles of the battle so you can have the best possible footage. That you could say, okay, maybe they're just throwing a bone to a competitive scene, kind of like how Smash Bros. has sort of kind of a tournament mode. They're like, oh, we see you. Here's a thing for you, but it's not necessarily the main thing. And you could say, okay, fine. But then you look at the other stuff they're doing with Splatoon 2, and you're like, oh, wait, no, they're really catering everything to that idea of the competitive scene. Like, I don't know if you've watched those Splat Chat videos Nintendo's been putting out for Splatoon 2. I know they exist. Yes, there are these interviews between a few different people at Nintendo and Jordan Kent, who is an actual sportscaster that's super big on Splatoon and is giving actual, like, sportscaster-style analysis of everything about Splatoon 2. And when they're going through all this stuff, they're highlighting all these things, they, all these changes they made on the gameplay side of Splatoon 2 that is all about, like, look, it's competitive now. Look, everything we're doing is to help you as competitors. And what I mean is, like, look at uh, Hero Mode, for example. What I mean with that is, in the original Splatoon, you go through Hero Mode, it gives you your weapon set, that's it, you play through it, you're done. Splatoon 2, they make this whole selling point of Hero Mode, which is the single-player mode, as just being like, hey, this is where you go determine what you're good at. This is where you go learn your role for the team. Because you have different weapon sets throughout uh, Hero Mode now, and you can actually rotate them and go do these different scenarios that, as Jordan Kent was pointing out, was like, oh, it helps you learn territory control, and it helps you learn how to do this weapon versus that weapon, or how to snipe versus roll versus splatter shot or whatever. And it's kind of this whole thing where it's like, oh, single player is not just there so you learn the basics of the game. It's so you decide what your calling is in the competitive scene, so to speak. Like, what are you good at? What can you bring I to the team? I thought it did that. I thought yeah. it was definitely really weird that in the first one you had to do it with Splattershot the entire time and other yeah. weapons were stuck to Amiibo. I mean... But yeah, but it, 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 it makes sense that they're doing it because yeah, oh, yeah, it, it's it. variety, but also just like that's that's a pretty obvious play to like encourage more people to go competitive with it. Similarly, there's also this new recon mode, which they announced a while ago, but kind of flew under my radar, when the rotations are going for the um, online battles, you can hop into any of the maps in the rotation and just walk around by yourself, no opponents. And they're saying you can do this so you can learn all the nooks and crannies of the map, learn good spots to do certain things, plan out your strategies of the terrain. To me, the single player having the hero, mo- uh, the hero mode having the multiple weapons and a recon mode where it's literally just like learn the ins and outs of the stage are very similar to training in Smash Bros., which, as we all know, Smash Bros. is their big eSport tile, although unintentionally. So now they're sort of doing the Splatoon equivalent of training, but intentionally. And it's, you know, I think it's clear they're trying to make it the next eSport is where I'm going at oh, yeah. that. So it's just interesting to see how the design decisions have just shifted with Splatoon. Because even things like voice chat. So in the original Splatoon, they made this whole point, we don't want to have voice chat, which might have been an excuse, but this is what they ran with. We don't want to have voice chat because we don't want to spread negativity. We don't want people to, like, bash each other or diss each other in the voice chat even if they're on the same team i'll be like oh you suck at the game i think that's the exact quote like we don't want them to insult other people splatoon 2 the new more competitive esports splatoon voice chats in and a big sign feature because obviously if you want to be a competitive team you gotta be able to communicate so mm-hmm. it's just interesting how 
in one Splatoon, like, no, 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 we don't want you to talk because we don't want to hurt feelings. To the other Splatoon, where it's like, yeah, but competitors need to, like, really talk, and who cares about feelings? It's not about winning. Like, it's just such a pivot that it's super abundantly clear to me that this Nintendo's going really hard with the esports thing. Beyond just marketing, beyond just throwing money at the tournaments, they're literally making design decisions around it. If they should. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and to be clear, like, none of this is major shocking revelations. Anyone that's been following what NOA and Nintendo in general have been doing for a while can figure this out. But, like, it's it's no coincidence that they have their own Twitter account. For the first time, they have a secondary Twitter account, and it's all about esports. For the first time, they have three competition-focused games coming out three months apart. For the first time, they have, you know, all uh, their highest-profile release is being marketed strictly as a esport tile. Not strictly, but as an esport tile. Like, this is... It's new for them, but it's pretty clear that they're appealing to a certain crowd. So, it's, it's smart. It's smart. The timing's also kind of funny, though, because, um... Well, did, you, did you see what Hungrybox was saying the other day? Oh, yeah. So, Hungrybox shows up Pretty know, much what we were saying the whole Smash Bros. was unintentional, and yeah. pretty much saying, make it intentional. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so, Hungrybox, for those who don't know, um, he's the guy that beat Reggie at the Smash Invitational Nintendo hosted at E3 2014. That's not really the accomplishment, but he is... Which, well, no, I'm just trying to, for people <laughs> that don't follow the Smash scene, yeah. that's where they know him from. Mm-hmm. He obviously has won many a tournament and yeah. done many a thing. He but... won last year's EVO, which is a yeah. huge deal because that's the first time, well, aside from just being his first EVO that he won, he's uh, he only plays as Jigglypuff, which is considered not as great as, obviously, the Marth and the Fox, which is all people really play in Smash Brothers. Yeah. Well, Melee. So that's cool. I don't. I, I definitely like his playstyle just because he plays that character that no one else really plays right. in, in, on that high level. Right. And his whole thing, which you kind of already summed up, was just that he won recently some tournament. And during his speech, he was like, Hey, Nintendo, we turned your game into an eSport. It'd be kind of nice if you, you know, help support it a bit. <laughs> and then literally like the next week, all the eSports stuff is happening with Nintendo. And they had their tournaments at E3 this week and all that. So... He might have jumped the gun with that, but it does bring but, up a I mean, question. The thing is, him and a bunch of other of those Melee supporters, they're not really going to play. I mean, they're clearly not going to jump on Smash no. 4 already. They had their chance. It doesn't appeal to them because they just like Melee's mechanics. But, I mean, unless Nintendo brings out a more updated Melee, I doubt Nintendo's going to support. No, I, I think, I think him specifically calling out Nintendo supporting his game from literally 16 years ago <laughs> is a little unlikely. But I think... It does illustrate that for everything Nintendo's doing with esports, at the end of the day, whatever they do next with Smash Bros. is the like hardest push we're going to see in that direction. More mm-hmm. so than Splatoon. Like Sp- Smash, whatever form it takes. For all we know, they're going to announce today three, and everyone knows what Smash is except us right now. But whatever form it takes, that thing's going to be huge as yeah. an esport game and for I mean, Nintendo. It's always like push. challenging. Like I remember, I know sometimes like it makes more has more attendees than like almost any other game at Evo, which is yeah. And Once more, again, like and the more biggest, entrance, more that's like the uh, Super Bowl of fighting games. So, yeah, yeah and I, I think it, it's gonna be interesting. To see. Yeah, like next to Street Fighter, I think it's always like number two, and then Smash Four is always like has a higher attendance now than Melee, just because a lot of Melee right. players move to Smash Four. But both are still like really high up there. Yeah, just Melee is really always impressive in the top like six or seven games. Like the... I mean, yeah, just the fact that Melee is still like this high up is pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. But it, it's. All only with the fans. And what's is, crazy is this was Nintendo and I've been trying to do an esports. Yeah, it's really it's the only game from like older generation that's still that is still even alive. Like yeah. no one yeah, Evil doesn't support like Mortal Kombat X anymore. It's probably just gonna be Injustice for a while. Same thing with Street Fighter Four or any other fighting game that just comes and goes. 
Yeah, it's it, it makes you wonder. Again, we don't know what's. No one plays Soul Calibur two. Like, yeah, no one plays Soul Calibur two or three or four. Uh, it makes you wonder. Maybe four. Uh, I think two because that was on GameCube. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's a good. Part. No Power Stone from Dreamcast days. People want to play that game. <laughs> I know, but they don't have a way because no one has Dreamcast anymore. Or a PSP. Uh, it's true. It was on PSP. Uh, but yeah, I, I I wonder. I don't think Nintendo's ever do an HD port of. Melee or an HD remake of Melee. I watched it, announced it at E3, and then someone's listening like, "But they did, Jason. They did two days ago. They did no, but uh, I mean, that'd be cool. I want them to only for those people because that's the only game they're gonna play. But I would definitely skip because I don't really like how Melee plays anymore. I, I think the problem with doing a Melee port is that if they were to do it, they're frac- they're splitting the fan base in a way. Because like, so I mean, I don't. Well, what I mean by that is like, it's, if, it's, if, it's, if they it's come out with Melee, let's say in March or April. And then they come out with the real Smash for Switch. When do they come out with that? End of the same year? They're competing against each other. Do they wait three years and then you're just stuck with the really old is Smash it? or the Wii U one, which is already more popular? Like, what do people then switch back to the Melee system in the tournaments because now that's the new one, even though it's actually the old one? Does Smash 4, do Wii U's have to be brought in still because Smash 4 is going to live on because no one wants to go back to the Such a different faster game, mechanics? That, yeah, that, that would that's just be weird. I mean. like, like... It's, you can't really. Right now, they have a situation where if they update the old Smash Bros., they're appealing to some people, but not all the people. But if they only go for it, the new Smash Bros. Then you got people like Hungry Box who keep calling them out, which they, you know, Nintendo can say whatever. It's a sixteen-year-old game, and that's fine, and that is fine. But they, there's a weird. I don't think we're ever going to see an HD Melee remake, even though lots of people are saying it might happen. Like, watching you totally wrong, but like it just it hurts more than hell. It doesn't hurt, but it like it causes more headaches than not. If they're yeah. going to appeal to competitive, I guess people, they just have to create a Smash Four that's somewhere. Even more in between, because I mean, Smash Four was already somewhere in between Melee and Brawl, but yep. Smash Four was still so different that it had its own set of like advanced mechanics and stuff that Melee can only dream to have, and vice versa. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're just gonna have to create another game that's even more different than Smash Four, but it's still not like Melee. That's just its own thing. Or to just p- pass along Smash Four to Switch and call it a day. Yeah. And make an enhanced Championship Edition. Which, I mean, Smash is... No, at this point, it's going to be Deluxe. Yeah, right. Deluxe, deluxe yeah. is Nintendo's signifier for this is a port. Yeah, it's true. Is this going to be Smash Bros. for Switch Deluxe? Or Smash Bros. for Wii U Deluxe? It'll just be... Smash Bros. for Wii U for Switch Deluxe. <laughs> Smash Bros. for 3DS for Wii U for Switch Deluxe. Because remember, it combines all of them in theory. Yeah. Or they'll just call it Smash Bros. Deluxe. That's true. It actually has a good ring to it. But Smash whatever Smash ends up being... I know, it ends up like forsaking the, the fighting verb. Word. Well, they already ditched that with no, I know, yeah, which I miss. I really like that they. I want kerfuffle. I still want kerfuffle, but mm. oh well. I I will say whatever Smash, whatever form Smash takes, be it the HD HD melee port, melee melee, the HD melee port, the melee port, the Smash Deluxe, Smash kerfuffle, what new old whatever it is, is in a very unique position compared to Nintendo's other games, Smash, because like not only is it going to be their biggest esport hands down. But it could also be their biggest push for online as well. Because as of now, again, E3 maybe changes this. But as of right now, we don't know what Smash is. We don't know when it will happen. We don't know if it will happen. But we do know that Nintendo's online service, which was originally scheduled for fall 2017, is now delayed to sometime in 2018. And my guess is that whatever form this online service takes in terms of a release in terms of features it's gonna need a flagship game to go alongside it and you can't say 
that, hey, you've been playing Splatoon 2 and Pokemon Online and Mario Kart and ARMS, and guess what? We are now six months removed from the release of Splatoon 2, and we're going to start charging you, and you're going to pay for it, and we're not going to really give you anything else. You need to have a flagship game to launch with your online premium service, right? Like, when Nintendo Wi-Fi Connection launched, it wasn't just Mario Kart's online it's a better now. better game than Mario Party, Cross- De- Mario Party Deluxe. It's just going to be an amalgamation of all the Mario Parties. To be honest, that would not be horrible. But every <laughs> mini game, every, every board. Do you realize how much redundancy would be in that? Because <laughs> so many mini games are so much. Um, we trim the fat. Ah, well then. Actually, I, I would not be totally opposed to that. But but even then, they I feel like they still need a competitive game to sell the online. Because like when Nintendo Wi-Fi Connection launched way back on DS in what like two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand five, I think they had Mario Kart, the Tony Hawk racing game. Oh yeah. And or American Skate. America's Skate or something, and um, not Downhill Jam. America's not. Got Skaters? America's Got Skate. And, uh, yeah, they had Tony Hawk, Mario Kart, and Animal Crossing all within three weeks of the launch of the online service. So, Nintendo, I, don't, I don't think Nintendo needs to do something of that scale, but they need to do something because no one's going to be like, oh, the thing I did for free for half a year is now $20. Sure thing. They're going to need to, like, pitch it with a game that makes it worth, like, oh, you want to play the new Smash online? Well, give us $20 a year. So... I suspect Smash will be that, and the thing is, Smash has a history of coming out in the early part of the year. Brawl came out in a, on a, in a in the March of I think it was two thousand eight. Came out in March. You tell me. So what? Oh, I just said you tell me. Oh yeah, I think it was March. Yeah, it was January in Japan. It was originally gonna be February in America, but they delayed it to March. That's right. Yeah. So it came out in March in in uh, two thousand eight on Wii. Did super well. So there's a precedent already for releasing a Smash in the early part of the year, and we know that online is delayed into twenty eighteen, but probably won't be that far because Nintendo wants their money ultimately. It just it seems like that's going to happen. And it keeps the momentum of the Switch going. You got all the games going into the fall. Then you got Mario Odyssey probably in November. Then you got Smash early 2018. And somewhere in there, Xenoblade, presumably. Oh. So it, it, it makes sense. Good old Xenoblade. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. But beyond, ju- beyond just the delay, Nintendo did actually talk about their online service a little. A little more than we previously knew. It's now officially and confusingly called Nintendo Switch Online. Which I think is almost up there with silliness of the new I mean, 3DS name. I get that it's trying to make it clear that it's not the same service that the Wii U and the 3DS uses. But, but... the thing with calling it Nintendo Switch Online... First of all, why don't they just call it Nintendo Network? It could be a premium service on Switch. It's a new console. They, they call it Nintendo Network Plus. They could call it Nintendo Network Plus. Oh, they Nintendo Network Deluxe. Deluxe. <laughs> yes. Nintendo Network Deluxe. They should have called it Nintendo Network Deluxe. But, um, but no, literally, the name is the exact same noun and verb structure you'd use to describe how you're taking your Nintendo Switch online. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, hey, I'm playing Nintendo Switch online. Yeah, me too, but mine's not letting me voice chat. Oh, mine is. Yeah, but I'm online too. Wait, are you paying for online? Yeah, I have Nintendo Switch online. Oh, so then you should have voice chat. Like, it just doesn't... That conversation shouldn't have to happen in any yeah. form. It should just be like... It's Xbox like, Live it, isn't working. I know. Done. It's like the whole new 3DS thing. Like, oh, here to buy a new 3DS. Yeah. It's like, oh, do you mean a new, not new 3DS? Or yeah, a new, an old new 3DS or a new new 3DS. And, <laughs> like, it just doesn't... And I don't mean older than you. It's just, like, an older generation 3DS. Yeah, <laughs> it just isn't a clean name. And I thought Switch was the turning point, because Switch is such a clear, clean name. But I guess you can't have everything. But regardless of the name, it's only 20 bucks a year, as I kind of said before. That's shockingly cheap. Like, Kimishima went on record saying it'll be under 30 and then it's only 20 Now, granted, if you pay for a three-month rate at a time, you're paying $8 every three months. If you do monthly, it's $4 every three months. So you do inch closer back to 30 but it never actually hits 30 which is kind of a nice surprise. And no matter which payment structure you choose, 
they're giving you access to what they're currently calling the Classic Game Selection, which is a temporary name, but it's an always available selection of classic NES games, the multiplayer ones of which have online support. If that sounds familiar, it's because they pitched this exact same idea, it just wasn't always available. Originally, they were going to do a monthly rotating classic game, NES or Super Nintendo, with online support for multiplayer. Now they're saying, no, 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 you'll always have access to it. It'll be a, rot- it'll be a permit library we add to. The catch is, they're only confirming NES right now. Super Nintendo is now out. Huh. Yeah. So, what we know so, so far... I have no reason to use it then. Well, what we know so far is... Just, yeah, because yeah, I know, you hate, you hate the NES, but... Um, Not all of them. I know. So far, we they know... got better towards the end. Well, then, Mario 3 might interest you. That will be free and presumably have some sort of online for co-op. I've the game way too many times. Yeah, so have I, but uh, just throwing out there. Dr. Mario is confirned with online. Uh, I think Blue too fight too confirmed oh, with online. Too yeah, Blue, I don't know why they keep re-releasing the same, like, five <laughs> games, but... Regardless of the game choice, this is basically the Netflix-style virtual console that so many people have wanted. And it does kind of feel like a direct response to negativity around the monthly rotating game idea. Because everyone's kind of like, oh, cool, we get like a $3 version of new Super- of uh, the original Super Mario Brothers for free, but then we lose it unless we pay $3. That's silly. So Nintendo heard us. They're actually giving you the library at all times. As long as you have an active subscription, you have access to download these games and play them problem is i'd say it's not going far enough because like there's nothing else besides nes virtual console itself is actually being considered a totally separate thing at this point and nintendo's not even willing to discuss what that will entail but that means no no super nintendo no n64 no gamecube no wii nothing just nes that's all they're saying is coming to switch right now period virtual console classic game service whatever and as much as i don't like this i have to admit from Nintendo's perspective it kind of makes sense why it's only nes you can upsell at Super Nintendo. You can upsell on 64. You can upsell GameCube. So why would they throw these in for $20 a year? Make it $25 a year. What a, yes, that's what I was going to say. What I'd love for them to do is have like add-ons. Like Nintendo Switch Online uh, plus N64 for 2 or $3 extra per month. What's the really using? Oh, I'm using or not Nintendo Switch Online plus N64 plus Game Boy Advance plus well, DS. It would, yeah, I mean, it would obviously just be called Nintendo but Switch Online. But DS only works on the... On handheld mode and you have to flip it sideways that's not horrible i don't know that's the only way it would yeah, work. <laughs> yeah you're right but uh <laughs> i mean that, that's a fair point but um yeah i think i think if they did add on if they did a la carte like sling tv or something does with its uh internet tv that could actually work because if you only care about having you know your intense switch online but you want access to some wii games you can pay two or three bucks on top of the 20 and you get some wii games and you can access those it's kind of like how Netflix has, you know, their standard rate, but then if you want to add additional people to your account over a certain threshold, you start paying extra. It'd be that, but games. That would probably be the meat in the middle that they could uh, do, but who knows. And it preserves their value hierarchy from their perspective, so. Yes. Yes, it'd be cool, right? Yeah. Um, games are a part of the service, though. They also reconfirmed smartphone Apple Power uh, custom lobbies, game invitations, voice chat. Um, the free version's got to have at least voice chat and probably you – know, there's some sort of limited, quote-unquote, free version coming this summer, with probably with Splatoon 2. We don't exactly know what's in it. Voice chat is confirmed because Splatoon 2 has voice chat. The unfortunate thing is the voice chat looks exactly as convoluted as everyone feared it would. So as of this recording – I know I keep saying that, but I feel like so many people are going to listen after Nintendo Spotlight. But as of this recording – Nintendo hasn't yet officially discussed the logistics of the voice chat. They haven't yet shown how it's going to work, but Hori, third-party partner of Nintendo that makes their own accessories licensed by Nintendo, 
has already announced a Splatoon 2 headset that consists of a rather cool looking headset that looks like it's straight out of the game, attached to a little squid that's actually a splitter, and then you need two headphone like jacks. The splitter's cool. Yeah, no, the splitter's cool. It's, it, yeah, it's a little squid. It looks cool. But then in that splitter are two headphone jacks, one you plug into your phone, one you plug into your Switch, and the whole cord's only 21 centimeters long. So you need to have yourself double wired in just to be able to hear game sound effects and music simultaneously with voice chat if you can't have it out loud. If you're using a TV and you have your speakerphone on next to you, that's perfectly fine for Nintendo Solution. If you're doing tabletop or handheld mode, but you don't have, but you can have sound on, that's fine. But if you're on an airplane and you somehow are able to jerry-rig the Wi-Fi to actually let you play online, and you want to hear everything, you got to use this weird convoluted thing. If you're on a bus, you got to use this weird convoluted thing. If you're on a train, if you're in a park, I don't know who's playing Switch in a park, but if Keep you're in, in mind, a park, places people normally don't ever play online multiplayer games like of this scale. Yeah, that that's sort of where I'm at. Well, I'm angling at. Like there is, there are situations where this is an issue, but that's why I was saying if you're playing where you can have something out loud, it's not much of an issue. So it's convoluted, but the internet may have blown it a little out of proportion. It's kind of what I'm getting at. It's not ideal. But it's still an option that you normally wouldn't ever have. So, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, I know. It's just yeah, no, silver lining. My, my point was, it's, it's internet, still not great, but. The internet whatever. had a knee-jerk reaction like crazy. And it is, and I was saying, I have to be like, this is a disaster. It is not a disaster. But the internet was saying it up like it was the be-all, end-all. Death to Nintendo. This is, this is it. It's done. It's not that bad, but it is convoluted. It is weird. You have a very short cord to work with. It doesn't support Bluetooth headphones, as far as I know. So it's just... I guess in theory, if your Bluetooth headphone had its own little dongle you could plug into the headphone jack, you might be able to do it, but you still need a splitter for the other half. So it's just it's just weird. And that's kind of the... It's kind of the inherent problem with this set. It's like Nintendo went on this whole pitch about, oh, this is... Like Reggie said... Reggie said, Reggie promised us this would be less convoluted and it'd be simpler, and he he lied because it's the opposite. <laughs> so it's not be all end all. Well, it's definitely I guess not. We'll just have to wait and see. Maybe it's just that headset. It might just be that headset, but it's just so weird because like Nintendo, like the 3DS was able to do voice chat with just a headset. The DS was able to do voice chat just fine. The Wii U was able to do it. Granted, all those were game specific. The games had to code it. This is system level with the Switch. But nonetheless, Nintendo understood it at one point. So it feels weird that we're going backwards like pre-Xbox, original Xbox Live days of like, how does online chat work? But yeah, I, I don't know. It does make you wonder why. Like why are, all of a sudden is this happening? And you could argue Nintendo's just being overprotective of kids playing online. Because like if you're a little kid and you shouldn't be talking to strangers online, you probably don't have a smartphone either. Isn't so this sort of the whole parental that. app thing so that you yeah. can literally control... And even turn their game off remotely. Yeah. You could do that. But I guess it's not enough, huh? No, it's not. And you know what else is silly about that is um, also their Nintendo's own demographics of the Switch from their last financial briefing in April show that the majority of Switch owners, late teens, early 20s, or just 20s in general. So mm-hmm. who are they protecting exactly? If you have a parental control app, and we know the demographics skew older, what, what who are you saving the life of here? There's not that many people that would be affected. So I actually don't think that that's what a lot of people think is the reason for this. I think that isn't the case for the reasons we just said. My gut tells me it's a technical decision. Nintendo always blames latency issues on why they don't do voice chat. And then they come up with excuses like, we don't like negativity being spread. But at the end of the day, it's latency issues. They, you know, we you can see it because a lot of DS games back in the day, you could chat in the lobby, but not when you're actually playing. Because they needed to save all that processing power and all that 
connection specifically for the data going back and forth. Pokemon, you could chat during battles because it was turn-based, so it's a lot slower, less data, is easier. But the latency thing could very well be a real issue with the Switch. So by farming out voice chat to a second device, it's not an issue anymore. Now you can free up the Switch hardware to produce the best possible game at the best possible connection quality with the highest quality visuals. Easy peasy. So that could be why. Or if you want to be cynical, perhaps DNA is the one doing the infrastructure for voice chat and all the app and everything. Perhaps there's some weird contractual clause where it's just like, hey, we'll make your app for you. It tells like, sweet, we want it on the Switch. You're like, no, 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 app means smartphone app. And you're like, oh, all right, I guess we'll jerry-rig this weird backwards solution. I doubt that's what it is. I think it's a latency issue, but that is, in theory, technically a possibility. So, whatever it is, not ideal. Maybe they'll do something crazy, like have a Joy-Con grip where you like put your phone in the middle and you can just hold it in front of you and play it that way, and that okay. kind of alleviates some of it, but that wouldn't work for handheld modes, so... Who knows what it will end up being, but I'm very curious to try it out with Splatoon 2 this summer. Yeah, which basically next month. Yeah, basically next month. And I'm sure by now, by the time people listen to this, Nintendo have actually clarified a lot of this. But as of now, as of now, working with the information we have. But, but boy, did we get on a tangent with all this eSport and online stuff. Because, as you may recall, almost like half an hour ago, we were talking about the Pokemon Direct. And we only covered half well, of the Pokemon Direct. there was nothing of note besides Pokemon. Well, there was nothing... No, there was something of note, just not something I don't think either of us are buying. And that is that the 3DS is getting some love in the form of Pokemon Ultra Sun and Pokemon Ultra Moon. And these are, in more ways than one, I would say, the black and white two of Pokemon Sun and Moon. They... And this one, they just made one third version that was yeah. Electric Crab, both legendaries or... Even more than Yeah, regions. well, I think third versions are dead. Yeah. I mean, they Black and White never had a gray. Way, right? X and Y never had a Z. Sun and Moon now have Ultra Sun and Moon. Pokemon Crystal isn't coming to the Virtual Console, even though Pokemon Gold and Silver are. And Pokemon Yellow did with Red and Blue a year ago. Like, do they just not like third versions anymore? It seems... I feel bad for those third version Pokemon that were... There's a Pokemon that looks kind of like the letter Z. There's a Pokemon that's nice and gray. There's a Pokemon that already could have been stars he's the one that has all the merchandise in japan and yet nope they don't get their own games anymore it's a sad reality but um but yeah so what what black and white 2 does or sorry what ultra sun ultra moon does do that feels like black and white 2 is it's a new story scenario introduces pokemon not previously seen in that game specifically not new pokemon just ones new to that game and it expands on existing features so really that's all we actually know we know that we know the two legendaries look a little different on the box and aren't quite the same pokemon and we know that there's a dude who has a camper that looks like a pikachu the, po- the, the legendaries are literally just black and white too what black and white yeah. two did you yeah know, which it's is, kind of the same thing they're just drawing those parallels more yeah except now you have necrozma fusion instead of kirin yeah and to draw the parallel even further uh black and white two was also released on the older current Nintendo system of its time when there's a newer, better one on the market. And that's exactly what's happening with uh, Ultra Sun and Moon. Because Black and White 2, if you may recall, came out on the DS a year after the 3DS came out. And now we have Ultra Sun and Moon coming out on 3DS a little under a year after the Switch comes out. And in both cases, it feels like they're doing it to piggyback off the massive audience of the previous system to you know keep costs down because they don't have to build anything new they just use the existing engine 
and those are the only two points I had actually. It's not like I was going for a third, but I do not have a third. <laughs> but no, it's it's really it's just kind of funny to see them basically take the black and white two strategy, apply it to Sun and Moon, and go, hey, it's that same old 3DS is the new budget system formula, same engine, same assets, just using them in new ways. It's a very cost effective way to make a very likely big hit. Because Black and White 2 sold a decent amount. Sun and Moon is the fastest time Pokemon game. So in theory, Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun and Moon, are going to sell quite well as well. And it lets Nintendo do it with minimal effort. So it, it's smart from that that perspective. The difference to me with Ultra Sun and Moon, or not really to me, the difference with Ultra Sun and Moon is that all signs are pointing to there being a Switch version as well. Which Black and White 2, there's never rumors of a 3DS version. But now we supposedly had this Switch version... As I think everyone listening knows, at one point Eurogamer, the same site who called the look of and features of the Switch before it was announced, they said there was going to be an enhanced Sun and Moon. It was in development for Switch. It was under the codename Stars, and it was going to be released this year. And everything except the part that was coming to Switch was actually correct. So what happened? Where'd it go? It never existed. I think it existed. Like, some people are taking that opinion of, like, Eurogamer was wrong, they got their information mixed up, whatever. But I, I think there's more to it. Because the fact is, Ultra Sun and Moon have been in development for quite a while. I mean, people found... You're the one that told me about this. That the uh, characters apparently... The Pokemon follow behind you now, like Pokemon Yellow style, right? Yep. And that those animations for all that were in the original Sun and Moon data, right? Yep. Which means they were developing this in tandem with Sun and Moon. It wasn't like they finished Sun and Moon and went, Oh, hey, let's tell a new story and put a Pikachu camper in it and make it a new game. This was like they were in development together concurrently. And that means there is probably in development for at least a little while, which also means they would have had time to do a Switch port or at least experiment with a Switch port. So t- couple that with the Pokemon company accidentally confirming it for Switch, only to then say that was a clerical error and it's only for 3DS. It seems like at one point there was a Switch version. And I realize I kind of skew it by saying they accidentally confirmed it for Switch. What actually happened is they put out a press release, and in the platforms that it was coming to, they listed both Switch and 3DS. And you could argue, well, that's because they also put out a press release for Pokémon, so maybe they got their wires crossed and forgot to swap out the system. But it wasn't like they put Switch instead of 3DS. They listed them both. That is a separate line item. That is a not a simple, oh, whoops, I forgot to change the word Switch to 3DS. I mean, there are two separate maybe things. Maybe Intern Annie just made a boo-boo. Possibly, but here's my tinfoil hat theory. I think the game was in development for Switch at one point. I think Eurogamer's source did see an in-development version and accurately conveyed to them there is this HD version coming, but I think at some point in the process, something went wrong. Maybe the Switch version wasn't up to par on the technical level. Maybe it was just going to be a prototype so I could see how Switch development works. I mean, that's literally what happened with Zelda. They made Wind Waker HD out of a prototype of just, how does Zelda look in HD? And then they decided to make a whole game. So it's not that hard to think that perhaps Pokemon, they're like, how would it look in HD? All the assets are already HD anyway because we down-res them. Let's just take a look. And then Eurogamer Source guy saw that and went, oh, hey, I see Sun and Moon running on a Switch and it's codenamed Stars. I'm going to go report this. Makes sense. And every sign pointed to this happening the same way that if you remember, let's say, early 2006... I mean, 2016, when everyone's like, oh, NX, Switch, then the NX, is going to be out this year. Every sign points to us getting the NX holiday 2016, except it didn't happen. Nintendo announced it be 2017. And only later on did we find out from Kimishima himself, from Nintendo's actual president, 
the hardware was ready in 2016. They were waiting for the games. So, again, neither, like, that rumor wasn't wrong. It was spot on, but then other outside things happened that changed it. I don't see why that would necessarily be any different for stars. That was probably true. There probably was a build at some point on Switch in HD for a game code named Stars. And then for one reason or another, at a later time, post-rumor, they pulled the plug on it. Okay. Yeah, that's my theory. Do you say so? I do. <laughs> but um, Well, you did. Yeah. What, what's funny to me is the fact that it's not on Switch. It's somehow making a difference to people in terms of if they're interested in it. Like, when it was first rumored... The pitch was basically, hey, Sun and Moon in HD with some new events. And people were psyched. People were like, oh, cool. I'm going to play Pokemon on my Switch. It's going to be great. They literally could have just done the third version, like Crystal or Emerald, put it on Switch and people would buy it. You know, like, oh, we have a battle tower. That's it. And people would buy it. Yet, then the reveal of Sun and Moon, Ultra Sun and Moon happened. And the literal pitch from Nintendo was actually more than that. It was, hey, it's like Sun and Moon, but whole new story, new stuff, people new scenarios, new TV. Pokemon. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So now what happened is everyone that was interested seemed to have lost interest. And to be fair, I'm one of those people. I was thinking of double dipping on Switch. I have zero interest in this on 3DS. I mean, granted, I never buy a third version. I never bought Black and White 2. I never bought Emerald. never bought Crystal, Yellow, etc., etc. So I, it makes sense I went by it. But you were someone who – you have bought those before, right? The third versions or no? Um, only The only exception was – Platinum. Oh, but that's because you didn't get Diamond and Pearl. I did get Diamond and Pearl. So what made you get Platinum? Huh? What made you get Platinum? I was just very into Diamond and Pearl, and I was like, all right, this game is really old. As in, like, the cartridge is just so used that something doesn't even start right. I should just get the Platinum version, it's squeaky clean and new, and just transfer all my stuff over. But I guess around that time, I started getting burnt out of Pokemon, Mm -hmm. and I just never even finished it, and that was that. So where you stand on Ultra Sun Moon? There was no, there, there's no situation like that. So that was the only reason why I even considered getting the third version, literally as a means to transfer my stuff over. But since I kind of, I mean, I played Sun and Moon a lot, but then I don't know, the Switch came out and I just stopped playing my 3DS. So you got your fill. There's just no reason to play it anymore. So if it came to Switch, probably the same thing because I still didn't really play because I'm still not playing Sun and Moon. Right. Like, if I had kept playing it, maybe, just to transfer my stuff over. But as of now, no. I would At this point, I'd rather just wait for the next generation. So, another year, another two years, whenever that is. Yeah. You got your failure and move on. Yep. I wonder, like, I wonder how many people feel that way. Because, I mean, the reaction when it was only 3DS, the day that it was announced, was pretty bad among like gaming community folk like you know neogaf twitter all that like it was pretty negative but then you look at like the reception to the direct from like investors poking on switch ultrasound moon on 3ds and Nintendo's stock immediately went up 2.4 percent after the direct so obviously someone's happy about it but i want i wonder how much of this i mean it probably isn't a miscalculation given that they did this with black and white 2 and it worked quite well so I assume on some levels it's going to work, and we're probably just a small vocal minority who doesn't like it. But I am curious to see if releasing it this close after Sun and Moon and having it look this similar, even the box art looks similar. Like, at least Black and White changed up the box art the second time, but it's almost like the exact same poses for Ultra Sun and Moon. They just added some, like, dark crystal-looking things to the Pokemon. Like, I wonder how this is going to 
do because this is their flagship Pokemon game, or this is their flagship 3DS game for the holidays. It comes out literally a year after Sun and Moon, that same November week. Is it gonna work? <laughs> like, I, I don't think we have an answer, but it's who knows. It doesn't seem like it's quite as easy of a sell as as uh, Black and White Two was, because it's still awfully similar. I'm definitely curious to see how it will do, but definitely I'm... I feel it's not gonna do as well. Yeah, well, it's certainly not gonna be the fastest selling Pokemon game ever. I can guarantee that. But I'm, I'm curious how fall how far it will fall if at all. But I guess time will tell. I mean, for Pokemon Company, they're probably just happy that Pokemon's good and tight. Gazentai <coughs> again. One more. Gazentai <coughs> again. Right. I was going to say, Pokemon Company is probably just like still rolling in the money from 2016. They recently announced that their profits in 2016 over 2015 were up 2,600%. That's 26-fold. They made $143 million in 2016. Gazentai. Thanks. You didn't actually sneeze that time, but I was trying to preempt it, and it, did, and it seemed to have stopped you. But yeah, to, for comparison about Pokemon Company... So they made 143 million last year. The year prior, so 2015, they made 5.4 million, and their record high for this decade, I believe, is 18.4 million in 2014. So 143 million is huge. It's also shocking how little money the Pokemon Company itself makes. Like you would think, given how big Pokemon is, that last in 2015 they would make more than five million dollars. But I guess because of all the licensing fees with Nintendo and Game Freak and Creatures and all that and whoever's making the merch, Hasbro or whatever, I'm guessing that's probably why they didn't make more money, but that's shockingly low for something as big as Pokemon, I feel like. But either way, the point I'm getting at is they're not going to hit that number this year, but if Sun, if Ultra Sun and Moon comes anywhere near sales of Sun and Moon, if Pokemon does decently, like they're still going to probably outperform what they did the last few years because in addition to you know the stuff that they announced in the Direct, there's still Pokemon Go going. There's still this uh, other apps. Magikarp Jump just came out. They're coming out with Pokeland. All that's still happening. So there, there's a chance for Pokemon as a company to still do quite well. But I, I don't see Ultra Sun Moon doing nearly as well on its own. I mentioned Pokemon Go. You did? I did. The thing's still around? That, yeah. So the crazy number, from, as you can imagine, from 2016 is primarily due to Pokemon Go. Like... That what 2016 was the year of Pokemon Go, and as we all know, it was kind of a beast of a game. Niantic actually just revealed, just to give you an idea of how big this game is, they just revealed it was downloaded over 750 million times. That's nearly a sixth of the world has played or downloaded Pokemon Go. That's very, very, very large. And what's interesting about that is it turns out it's making them a ton of money. Like, a ton. They have made upwards of 250 million dollars off just the uh sponsored pokestop locations because apparently each time a person goes to those pokestops they earn upwards of 50 cents so if i go to starbucks and spin the pokestop and it has a little pokemon frappuccino picture niantic just made 50 cents every time which is wow. raised upwards of 50 cents i should say which is originally it's fine because originally there's an interview where uh with some brazilian newspaper and they're like oh yeah we make 15 cents off each visitor and then Niantic put out a statement like, well, um, we were mistranslated. It's actually 50, like 5-0, which is like, that That adds up really fast. So I'm sure that alone will help Pokemon Company continue to do well. But um, to your question of, is Pokemon Go still a thing? Niantic still wants it to be. They're definitely trying to capture, recapture some of that frenzy this summer. They announced that they're going to be hosting a real-world anniversary event in Chicago's Grant Park. It's going to be July 22nd. It's called... Pokemon Go Fest, I think, is what they were calling it. Um, 
Yeah, I think it's Pokemon Go Fest. And we don't know at all what it entails, but along with that, they're actually making some major game improvements for everyone that's playing. They're revamping the gym system. They're doing what they're calling, quote, collaborative group gameplay features. Maybe head-to-head battling, finally. And they're also going to be doing in-game events pretty regularly, starting with one... I forgot that that's still not a thing. Huh. Right? Yeah, no, it's not. It's weird. There's nothing you Let can actually trading, do. Like, all the stuff that kind of, I guess, define Pokemon... And it's still not there. But yeah. then again, I guess you have capturing, which is what is Pokemon got to catch them all? He sounds so big. Well, you're a battler, so that makes sense. You care more about the battle than the catching. Because, like, Pokemon is definitely. Pokemon Go is definitely trying to harness the catching aspect more. Now they're doubling back and trying to do some of the other stuff. But yeah, it is shocking that we went this long with basically no multiplayer features. The most you could do is take down a gym with someone else, briefly. But, um, yeah, the gyms are now are going to be disabled soon as they work, work on the new systems. They're actually turning off a feature just to turn on a feature. But they are doing in-game events, too. Um, they're doing, like, a new fire and ice event this week. Uh, and I'm hoping I'm hoping these new gameplay hooks actually add something. Like, I hope whatever the co- collaborative group gameplay is is good because I'm the resident Pokemon Go fanatic on the podcast here, and... I've stopped playing completely these last few weeks, too. So they need to do something. And presumably if they do something, then they will continue to make $250 million off those Pokestop visits. But we'll see. It's also worth, men- it's also worth mentioning that separate from this, there's that Pokeland app, which I alluded to, which is, of course, going to help Pokemon Company's bottom line because they don't have to pay anything to Niantic for it. But uh, Pokemon Company itself is making this one. It's a mobile game. It's currently in Alpha in Japan. And if you've ever played Pokemon Rumble, this is that, but on your phone. You collect toy Pokemon, you send them into battles. Is it compatible with the, well, they're not even Amiibo, the Pokemon Rumble NFC figurines? Uh, well, that's interesting, because technically not yet, but Android, it could do it. The NFC chip is open on Android, and Apple, with iOS 11 this fall, will be opening up NFC chip for read abilities. So it won't just be... That if you're playing, you know, if you're using your iPhone, you can do Apple Pay. You'll be able to tap your phone against things to transmit, to gather data. Not transmit, but gather. So, in theory, yes. Maybe. But they kind of need the two-way writing, I think, to, like, let you save the upgrade stats back to the Pokemon. So maybe not. But what they are doing with Pokeland is kind of interesting. Is it's the first Pokemon app, the first non-Nintendo-developed app, that will support Nintendo account. Which is kind of a huge thing. Because if you put Nintendo account on one Pokemon app let alone, let's say, rolling it out backwards to Pokemon Shuffle and Pokemon Go and Pokemon Duel and Magikarp Jump. That is an awful lot of people that are now going to have Nintendo accounts and be roped into this whole ecosystem that Nintendo's trying to do where your Nintendo account's everywhere, your friends are everywhere, you play on one device, you're going to go get a Switch and they'll be there too, which was kind of the Trojan horse of Nintendo account all along. So it's a step in the direction of making it more compatible. It's a step in the direction of kind of bringing the ecosystem all together but we'll see what it can do all it does in Pokerland is give you your me to wrangle up your pokemon with well that's exciting thrilling but presumably your me tomo me but yeah it you know it's 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 it'll be interesting to see if we see nintendo accounts start branching out into more pokemon stuff uh i i will say just now when i was rallying off all those pokemon games shuffle go duel magikarp jump um pokerland of course yeah it Going through that list and realizing what each of those games are, I think we're reaching the 
end of experimental Pokemon games on Nintendo systems, which kind of sucks. Like, Shuffle and Duel and Magikarp Jump specifically, if it wasn't for smartphones, they would have totally existed on a Game Boy or a DS or as an eShop download or something in the past. They are the Pokemon Trozy, Pokemon Dash, Pokemon Channel of that of the current times but instead being on Nintendo systems are now on mobile which on one hand makes sense like for pokemon company i I guess putting the b tier spinoffs on mobile means a quicker profit and a bigger audience but it's kind of kind of sad to see that nintendo's not the home of everything pokemon would make more sense on the smartphone nowadays yeah yeah like i don't even really remember exactly what pokemon channel was you watch tv with a pokemon is hey is like the unofficial sequel to hey you pikachu like you had a Pikachu, you like cared for it and did stuff with it, but you also watched TV with it, and that was literally the gameplay hook. Is you sat and watched like Chansey's egg cooking, which actually I just realized is really dark to make that. <laughs> like yes, Chansey kills his babies, and you watch it on your TV. Weird, but yeah, um, very very weird. Yeah, so it it's just weird because like I'm sure we're still gonna see major spinoffs. Like I'm sure Mystery Dungeon will carry on on Nintendo systems. If there's ever a new Pokemon Snap, it'll probably be... Actually, no. Pokemon Snap would even make more sense on a smartphone. Yep. Like, it makes too well, much Pokemon sense on Go is uh, basically Pokemon Snap. But Pokemon Snap made sense on Wii U GamePad, and that never happened, which was such a missed opportunity. Because that made too 3DS, much sense. And that never happened, and yeah. it also made too much sense. But either way, it's weird that like we reached the end of the line here for these weird little spinoffs, because most of them weren't that great. Pokemon Dash, you literally just rub your DS screen as fast as you can. But still, like it was kind of interesting to see these weird pokemon games like i remember a few years ago i wrote a whole extra about it i'm trying to remember what it was called i want to say it's like the world of pokemon spinoffs or the strange world of pokemon spinoffs or something like that but if you go around town.com if you go to the extra section i do make have an article where i kind of talk through what dash was what channel was what um, pokemon trozy was and how like they're these really weird games that probably wouldn't exist if it wasn't because they could slap a pokemon license on it and in some cases, that's maybe a good thing. We didn't need Dash to exist. But then you got, like, Trozy, which is interesting, or Pokemon Puzzle League, which got me into, like, the Puzzle League franchise. And I don't know if for the current generation of people growing up with Pokemon, if that is a thing for them on Intel systems anymore. It's, it's, a, it's a weird thought. Just because it's been that way for 20 years. But it seems like Pokemon comes making a very concentrated effort away to move away from that. So, yeah. Well, just not like, it's not like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's better for them. It brings more exposure. But it's just... It used to be your Nintendo device was your Pokemon machine, and now not so much. Well, my wallet appreciates it. Yeah. Yeah, they're all free to play. That's the other perk. Yeah, definitely. But but moving back to Nintendo's own systems, I think we finally covered everything the Pokemon Direct had. But moving back, I feel like what's going on in Nintendo systems is almost backwards, this E3, going into this E3. Like, Nintendo, as we just discussed, had a lot to announce. But there's not nearly as much from third parties as there normally is like it typically in the past it always felt like third parties like scrambling over one another to try and get all their games out before e3 so they could avoid the like nintendo onslaught so to speak they didn't you know they don't want to get caught in the e3 crunch of all the first party nintendo news so they rush it out in the weeks prior Sega used to do like a road to e3 every year that had like every day a new announcement that's not a thing anymore they're all kind of quiet and if you look at switch that means that only a handful of third-party games have actually been announced so far and they're actually mostly from indie developers not big established publishers some are just straight-up ports which isn't a bad thing i mean we're getting the uh axiom verge which is this very well-regarded metroidvania game that's finally coming to switch confirmed 
we're getting this kind of intriguing, weird-looking point-and-click game that you point out to me the other day called Bulb Boy. Yeah, it looks cool, but weird. Maybe yeah, weird. it's it's the way I described it to you in my text when you first sent me the link was it's kind of like Kirby put through a Binding of Isaac filter or something. Like, it's that sort of... Like, the character's a bulb, but it's all very Binding of Isaac-y in style. It, it, it could potentially be cool. But, so we're getting ports like that. But then we are also getting some new stuff as well that's been announced going into E3. Um, like what? One comes by way of Square Enix, and because it comes by way of Square Enix, that means you can expect it to have a very nonsensical title, and they do not disappoint. It is called Lost Sphere. Sphere is a normal word that multiple people can say and spell, but what Square Enix chose to do is not spell it how you would think. Lost Sphere is not S-P-H-E-R-E. It is S-P-H-E-A-R. Oh, like it's, you it's, hear it's, it's the like, sphere. Yeah, like I don't know. Sphere, but with here, yeah. So, because Grangs can never just do a title that's normal English, of course. So we get this. But what it actually is is it's um it's from Square Enix's Tokyo RPG Factory team. They're the ones that did the uh, I Am Satsuna game that was out at launch for Switch. And uh, unlike I Am Satsuna, this one will actually be getting a physical release on Switch. However, if you choose to go physical, you can only buy it from Square Enix's online store. So there's that. But the game itself is basically the spiritual successor of Sasuna. You're a young boy. You're out trying to stop. Like his world's literally vanishing around him, and it's up to you to unvanish it using memories. You know, memories, they're being vague, but applied to both the story and some sort of gameplay device that they haven't really described. But besides that, if you played Sasuna, you kind of know what you're getting. They're sprucing up the battle system. Apparently, this wasn't a thing before. You can now move your characters as you battle for the first time. So be on the lookout for that if that, if that interests you. Uh, the only reason I actually bring it up, to be honest, is um, a co- it has nothing to do with the gameplay. It has nothing to do. I mean, it looks nice. The graphics are great. I really like the art style. But the real reason I want to mention it is when did Square Enix become such a big supporter of Nintendo? Like, they are the single biggest third-party uh, supporter of Nintendo right now. This is their seventh announced game, Lost Sphere. So far, or seventh game on Switch. So far, already released, we have Setsuna, we have the uh, Mana series collection over in Japan, okay. and also in Japan, Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2. Then, they've announced for the Switch Dragon Quest 10, Dragon Quest 11, obviously Lost Sphere, and the equally weirded, weirdly named Project Octopath Traveler, which presumably we are learning more about at E3 this week. But for a company who used to completely shut out Nintendo... It just strikes me as very interesting that Square Enix has now somehow become the Switch's biggest supporter. It's cool to see. It makes sense because Square Enix always does well on Nintendo handhelds. This is basically a Nintendo handheld, but with the production value that Square Enix is known for it being possible. But it's just kind of a weird 180 they did. So do you think this bodes well for the Final Fantasy VII port or not really? I think this Or maybe the well. Switch just can't handle it and it's just going to be a straight up answer. It just can't handle it. I think it bodes well for Square Enix trying to get that Final Fantasy port to work. I don't... That's or true. remake to work. I don't know if they'll succeed. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt that they would have at least tried. Yeah. They may not succeed, but anyone that thinks that any Square Enix project is not being prototyped on a Switch somewhere in Japan right now is most likely incorrect. I think ev- I think they're trying everything now because I mean they have so much already and they clearly think the system's worth investing in. Um, but we'll see. I mean, actually, by now we may know because again, E3. But another another developer who has quickly actually become a major supporter of Nintendo that's worth shouting out is one man, uh, Edmund McMillan. And while some of you may not know him by name, listening, I know for sure you do. But uh, Angel, but he's the dude behind Super Meat Boy and Binding of Isaac. 
or part of the teams that made that possible. Uh, he, he has a new game. Right now it's coming to just PC and Switch. And if you like Meat Boy, you're probably going to like the new game too. It's called The End is Nigh. Uh, wow, I just totally blanked out on how to pronounce that word. The End is Nigh? Nigh. I almost said knee. And I was like, that's <laughs> not right. The End is Nigh. Thank you. And uh, what the game is, is you play a thing. Literally, it's just a thing. That's he how you des- describe it. He described it as a mushy head with a skull and other bits. Which, to be clear, is different than the Meat Boy, who is also mushy and with well, other bits. <laughs> no, the Meat Boy I- is just a boy without any skin. So mushiness with other bits. Well, I mean, I don't know how. Mushy I just tease it. It's it's it, it's they're different, but, but yeah, he just, he just he just he just I guess made it a point to say that it's not a blob. Yeah, and as this non-blob thing that is a mushy boy with, that looks like with a blob, bits, and you could continue to call it a blob anyway. Yes, and you will do what the other blob, who is just a boy without skin apparently, does, and that is make your way through a whole bunch of levels, six hundred plus in this case, spanning twelve chapters, um, and do some extreme platforming. The difference this time around is that each level while still a room like in meat boy are now each of them are now interconnected into a bigger like map mcmillan described it in a way that is either depending on your indie game proudness this is going to be the best description you've ever heard or tell you absolutely nothing and that is it's a bit like vvvvvv meets 1001 spikes with a spelunky control setup so if you've never played an indie game or looked at steam or looked at the eShop, that's going to help you not at all and i don't know what to tell you but for some audience out there for someone out there, that is the most pinpointed, perfect way to describe this game. So, there you go. But in all honesty, like it's it's kind of cool to see, similar to Square Enix, we had a developer who never really supported Nintendo, in part because he was worried Nintendo was censoring things, or would censor things or not allow things, and Nintendo didn't allow things for a while. We have this guy, McMillan, suddenly doing a complete 180, and now the only system besides uh, PCs and that supports Steam, the only system that has this game is the Switch. Not PS4, not Xbox, just the Switch. So it's kind of a cool reversal. Oh, and also the game like has tons of replay value. Hundreds of collectibles, 80 yeah, plus achievements, all his, all his multiple games have a lot of replay value and you know, they were just always really fun. They always have really tight controls. That's definitely what I really like about his games. They yeah. just always feel really, really tight and fun to control. Yeah, so it's cool I'm that sure this, this is coming. different. Yeah, and, uh, and now he's at the point where Nintendo's just letting him do what he wants because he's had so much success. Now we're just waiting for the inevitable confirmation of Super Meat Boy Forever. Which they've already basically said is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because someone, yeah, if I remember correctly, someone tweeted them like, hey, is it coming to Switch? And they're like, you won't be disappointed. Yeah, basically. So, So, yeah, it's cool that we're getting like these reversals. And then even just within the, um, not necessarily these companies or people are switching, like doing 180s, but even just like the idea of having indie developers with a pedigree the Skullgirls team is now bringing a game to Switch. Lab Zero Games has announced a game called Indivisible. It is an RPG, 2D RPG. Was that one on Kickstarter or something? It I feel was like an Indiegogo. Been yeah, known for a while. Yes, Indivisible oh. was an Indiegogo project. I want to say it's like I think it was Indiegogo's most successful game project. They raised like 1.6 million dollars. It was. It's coming, but not out yet on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and now it's coming to Switch as well, post crowdfunding, and um. What's interesting about it is it's an RPG, but it's also a 2D platformer, a combo you don't often see. So you go through the world 2D style, like flat, you know, platforming, and then when the battles break out, it kind of switches over to a Mario Luigi looking like, battle plane, or like has been heroes it, battle plane. It situation. reminds me a lot of like Mega Man Battle Network. Yes, but, but even Battle Network was like isometric, like 
Well, that's kind of how this one is, isn't it? No, this one's totally flat. Totally, at least in the footage I saw. Well, because from the at least when they're fighting. Oh, oh, no, battle! When, You're yeah, right. when they're fighting, the battle is battle network for sure. Yeah. The ex- oh, exploration. Oh, oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just some um, like Warrior Land shake it because the environments yeah. are kind of three D. Yeah, exactly. And and it looks very like I like the art style. Like it's cool. Like the 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 characters. Wow, that's when Jason's brain turns off. The the characters are you know just two D hand drawn, but then the world is like sort of a three D cell shaded situation. Where it looks like the world's equally cartoony, but it has like some depth to it. it it's a nice effect. Yeah, and just like it's school, not like groundbreaking, but it looks. And just like nice. Skullgirls, you can expect like traditional animation. Like it's yes. all the characters are nicely drawn. Yes. And animated. Yes, and Skullgirls has quite a following and is quite a big indie title. So it's cool to see the developers now coming to Switch because you know what that means down the line. In theory, they could bring Skullgirls or, or some sequel, sequel or something. I mean, yeah. that game is so old now. I don't It'd know. probably be a sequel. Yeah. I mean, they did just port it to smartphones, but. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to... At this point, I'd rather them just make something else. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I do think, whatever they make, I think what both Indivisible and to some extent the end is not uh, neat. Wow, why can't I... Yeah, Nye. I feel like every time I see, I see the name, I'm like, no, it's not Nye, but it is, it is Nye. Nye. Like Bill Nye. Nye. The science guy, yeah. It's not Bill Nye the science geek. Yeah, that's true. Wait, um, Bill Nye the science geek. Crap. Wow, your crap. brain really did die. My brain has completely turned off, and I don't know why. But anyway, the point I was going to get at is... Um, the end is nigh. The end is nigh for my brain, apparently. Yeah. No, the points I get is that seeing, you know, McMillan double down on Switch, seeing uh, Lab Zero games starting to support Switch, we're at the point where Switch is getting, like, the mainline indie people, for lack of a better term. Like, on Wii U and 3DS, Nintendo tried so hard to get out of this little carved-out niche of they have a handful of developers that always support them, make really good games, Way Forward, Renegade Kid, etc., etc. But that was kind of it occasionally someone else would break through 13 a.m did it with rumbo but for the most part it's like this little pocket of you know you have your dedicated nintendo indies nindies and that's what you got and they made very good games but there's always going to be some games on steam or on psn that would never never going to come to nintendo systems because these other indies that had these huge followings just didn't do it but with switch what we're seeing happen is these indies are now doing it. Yeah, it's their su- Monday, yeah. yeah, it's super easy to port to Switch, so you so might can as wait well. for Overcooked. Yeah, yeah, that's another good example actually, because Overcooked has been on other systems for a while. Yeah, PS4 and Xbox One, yeah. but it's like a party game. It, it looks even the developers have said that this game is like almost like perfect for Nintendo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so yeah, I think what these announcements, as few as the ones we're talking about, are the fact that they're from the developers. They are is almost more significant than yeah. anything else. But beyond just announced titles, you also have companies who are just dropping hints. And I found it interesting that going into E3, I made a prediction, which seems to be wrong, but maybe it'll change during the show, that we were going to get a ton of announcements from third parties. No, nope, not really. Instead, we got a ton, a ton of hints. And a ton of like, oh yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we are going to do it. Like, Platinum Games, like, we are making a Switch game. It's going to be, quote unquote, interesting. Or the Rumbo <laughs> It's going to be cool. It's going to be neat. Or like the Rumbo devs, which I was just talking about, 13AM Games. They're saying, yes, we are making a new IP for Switch. No, we are not going to tell you about it. So, okay. Or you have like Take-Two. Take-Two is making a Switch game. They're making NBA 2K. And all they're saying is Switch leaves them intrigued and excited. And they'll decide on a case-by-case basis what games to bring, which sounds like, are they even doing anything? Who knows? Then you have like Konami who's saying, hey, we'll admit we have a, this is their word, desire within the company to make a new Castlevania on Switch. It's like, oh, cool, you're going to announce a Castlevania? No, they just are talking about making a Castlevania. So I think my original theory that there's going to be a blowout at E3 might not be accurate. In fact, 
maybe there is a blowout. Maybe I'm wrong. There's probably someone on the other end of this recording listening and just quietly sighing going, no, there's not a blowout. But maybe there will be, maybe not. But what I think is happening is um, I was being naive thinking that developers would turn around game announcements in under three months. Because Switch came out March 3rd. It's now June. Oh, in exactly three months. So to have them show playable things, maybe that is a bit too soon. But I do think sooner rather than later in the grand scheme of things we are going to get that third party blowout at some point i mean the fact that we talked about it before but the fact that there's no Mega Man legacy collection 2 the fact that there's no bubsy of all things the fact that there's not even like dragon well, ball fighters bubsy, bubsy is apparently asking if we want it yeah that's that's kind of what i'm getting at the fact that none of these are there doesn't mean they won't be there later it's kind of going back to mind what i was saying about being naive thinking they could turn things around so quickly and put games on the system so quickly these things were in development probably way before the Switch blew up. These are probably things that they can't just on a dime be like, yep, we're going to bring it to Switch. So they are now considering it. Bubsy is now asking. Mega Man Legacy Collection 2 is probably now being looked at on, as a Switch option. For the most part, developers chose not to take the gamble on whether Switch would be successful. And as a result, we're seeing a slower uptick of announcements. But sooner rather than later, I think we're going to get the real uptick. Because the fact is, the Switch, I feel like we say this every episode... The Switch is on fire right now. So much so that Financial Times is now reporting that Nintendo is boosting Switch production again to 18 million units this fiscal year. It was previously 16 million, and before that, it was like 12 or something. So they keep raising the bar, and this this is the reason. Direct quote from Financial Times, Nintendo's raising the bar because they want to avoid customer tantrums during the holidays. Not upset customers, tantrums. They think Switch will be so hot that people are going to freak out if they can't get one. So they're trying to raise the bar to, or raise the production value, uh, the production quantities. And in Japan, they're already having situations where people are lining up by the hundreds at each store for a chance to possibly buy a Switch. They are lining up for Switch purchasing lotteries where you have the opportunity to be given the opportunity to go buy your Switch. Oh, That's it's where like we're Comic-Con. at. It's like Comic-Con except – it's just day-to-day life. Like, Con-Con, you go and you're like, this is the world I live in for four days. If you try and buy a Switch in Japan, it's like, well, this is my life now. This is how buying a Switch works. And on top of all that, even with just that buzz already going, Nintendo's still going crazy with co-branding promotions this summer. Pepsi, Frito-Lay, and oddly enough, wonderful pistachios are all simultaneously holding Switch giveaways with Switch branding on their products. And that's on top of the one McDonald's just did a month ago. In the case of Frito-Lay, Nintendo's giving away a Switch every hour for six straight weeks. Like, these are some of the biggest brands in the country. No, actually the world. And Nintendo's working with all of them with very in-your-face Switch marketing. Like, that is going to build additional hype. So between the already increasing production, between all the promoting, perhaps any sort of third-party concern that there's nothing there yet is a bit premature. It is probably going to be sooner rather than later. Like I said, I think I was just being naive thinking that we'd see it this E3. We're probably going to see it in the fall and next E3 because it takes a little time to ramp these things up. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe there'll be stuff at E3. Well, next episode we'll know. But in the meantime, someone ironically, after saying we have no third-party games except a few, all we're talking about in terms of what, you, what we've been playing is what you've been playing, which are third-party games. What? So go figure. But yeah, so you have Tumbleseed and Street Fighter on your docket, so to speak. Yeah, Where yeah. you want to start? I guess it's um, get it Street Fighter out of the way. All right. Not that it's a game I want to get out of the way, but it's 
there isn't much to say about it to be honest because it's just Street Fighter 2. It's the same Street Fighter 2 we got when we when I bought it for the Virtual Console on the Wii U. Same Street Fighter 2 from the Super Nintendo. No, no. Now you can customize your character's color. Let me finish. <laughs> I know, I know. With some negligible bonuses. Like customizing your character's color. Actually, I do like the fact that it does come with a a scan of an art book. That's actually really cool. And you can zoom in a lot and it's super detailed and really awesome. Gesundheit. <coughs> Gesundheit again. I think you're allergic to the podcast. I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, I thought so originally. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. Other than that, um, yeah, I don't know. It's... I like it because it's just exactly what I wanted. I just wanted Street Fighter 2 on my Switch. And, I mean, I was kind of bummed that we didn't get Ultra Street Fighter... No, Street Fighter 2 HD Remix. Oh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix back when it came out, like, in 2008 or nine. Um, This is pretty much that. You get to play with the original visuals and original sound effects or you could play with the updated visuals and sound effects the udon art or whatever yeah the udon art with some brand new remix music which I, I i think sounds great i really like the updated music and visuals and it's usually what i play with exclusively and even just customizing the character that's novel it's not really necessary but i did try to make an orange version of every character that i am remotely interested in playing but some of them already have an orange costume so i didn't really have to do it for all of them I mean, outside of that, You're I also mean, wearing kind of an orange shirt right now. Yeah, huh. there is. I'm pretty much dressed as my me right now. Um, you are dressed as your me right now. Oh wait, he wears a long sleeve orange. Yeah, thing. That's true. Um, Unitard. The other, I mean, I guess there's online, but the online is pretty much it's so bare bones, which is perfectly fine for this game because you just want to play ranked one on one, which it is ranked. You get your points. You get to level up your character to show the how good you are with that specific one you get to you get more tags the more you play which are just i guess the most customizing you're going to get to do with your online profile and that's pretty much it i mean i guess actually a tournament mode would have been really appreciated because i think street fighter 2 hd turbo had that which is pretty much exactly what you would want in a tournament mode which smash brothers completely botched but it's not there but you just get your one-on-one matches you get to play with friends you can create your own lobby you could choose, and that's pretty much it. I'm not even really acknowledging the way of the Haru mode because it's that bad. It's negligible. It's, it's that it, bad. <laughs> yeah, it's just is there. It, is it true that you really just have two moves for the entire mode? Three. Three. The Shoryuken, the Spin Kick, Block, and you just flail Hadouken. a bit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it worked fine for me. I didn't really have any issues with it, but that's not what I got the game for. Right. So I just played multiplayer oh yeah capcom's whole pitch about this game was it's like fathers can show their kids how they love street fire because it's the old game but there's some new stuff that's a little more casual like i um, mean playing it now i mean it does feel a lot more dated now than when i first played it i mean when i replayed it on the wii u when i got it from the virtual console Mm -hmm. but i I mean it's still fun it's still it's just like that classic it's like it's like an old classic film how how are the (laughs) new characters do they affect like, do they have to rebalance the whole game to accommodate for Violent Ken and other new guys? I mean, I never played Street Fighter 2 that competitively. Uh, but from what I've read from actual competitive players is that they don't. That they're that they're pretty balanced. That they just add some variety to it. Mm-hmm. But they're saying that Akuma is still obscenely overpowered. So if they did have tournaments, that everyone's probably just going to click Akuma. Right. But, so, then, so, 
Both. Violent Ken and other... Oh, Evil Ryu. There we go. So Violent Ken and Evil Ryu don't really make a difference, even though they're the namesakes of the game. No, I mean, huh. they do in That's the sense right. that, I mean, they're just more fun oh, characters yeah, to yeah, play as. Yeah. But I mean... They don't actually influence things beyond just being new characters. I mean, I guess... Which is probably a good thing. I mean, they're just balanced. Yeah, that's yeah. good. But, so so here's a question for you, because you do own funny. it on Wii. Yeah, because I mean, like, I, I don't even know what else to say. Like, it's just... you well, If you ever played Street Fighter before and you just want to play Street Fighter, then I would definitely recommend it. If you're looking for, I guess, something beyond just a very, very simple 2D fighter, then... I well, well here's my question to you. You're a Street Fighter fan. You are admitting you basically are buying the same game again. Is it worth forty dollars? Do you think they made an error making it forty versus say twenty or twenty or thirty? I don't feel gypped. I knew exactly what it was in the beginning. I because if you look at that and then like compare it to say, what other forty dollars games are there? I guess I guess let me phrase it this way. Um, I was okay with the price. It could definitely be cheaper. I would not have paid ten dollars more. But wait, isn't it thirty nine ninety nine? That's forty. Yeah. I, no, no, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I rounded up. No, yeah. For some reason, um, I thought you said forty nine ninety nine. Oh no, 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 no. No, that would be that would be sent to die if it was fifty dollars for a game that is basically the same as before, where you could get on Virtual Console for like fifteen. I mean, right? Isn't it cheap on Virtual Console? I mean, it, it feels fine for what it is. Because I mean, okay. we even have um another friend that I know with a fan Street Fighter, and he, I'm assuming, happily paid the price, but because mm. he didn't, he never made any negative comments towards the price. And yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it. I could see it as being too much if you, if you don't really care about the game too much, but are just curious. Like if you're literally sure. just curious about the game, I would definitely say wait for it to go down in price. But if you're a fan, you probably already bought it. Yeah, the only reason I was asking is because like I feel like every review I saw of this game, fairly or unfairly, would just be like, "Well, it's forty dollars," and gave it a bad score based on that. So it seems like if you gauge your expectations appropriately, as you did, maybe it. You find it worth the value. This is one of the few games where, like, yeah. I guess, kind of like Marco, where like you literally know exactly what you're getting yeah. up front. Yeah. And I mean, the little bells and whistles, like I appreciate them. Like, I, like I said, I like being able to listen to the new music. I like the gallery. I like mm-hmm. the art book, and I like being able to tweak some of the colors to make them look ridiculous. I do think the fact that you can fight alongside another person, like, uh, oh, things are falling in your room. I think the fact that, like, this is a thing, right? Where, like, we could play co-op against a computer. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I think it's called dramatic battle. That that That's super, that's more casual, but that's, like, more casual in a smart way than the uh, way of the whatever mode. Way of the like. yeah, yeah, the dramatic battle is fun. Yeah, like, that yeah. seems like, because I was saying before that apparently their whole pitch with the game was, like, oh, we want to, like, have it be the bridge that connects the younger generation with the people that played it growing up. I don't think the way of the... Hado? Yeah, Hado, Hado, Hado. Whatever. I don't think that mode um, does what they're trying to do. Yeah, but I, think I don't the know why that was there. They should have just added more like different multiplayer. Just add like a local tournament mode. I mean, something simple like that would have gotten the job done. Yeah, but you'd think Capcom was very savvy about that sort of thing. Would have put a tournament mode in. Yeah, but, but so that's Street Fighter. Do. Sounds like it's kind of one of those things where if you like Street Fighter, you know you're gonna you know what you're gonna do, and if you don't care, this won't change your mind. Yeah, I mean, it's not revolutionizing Street Fighter because it was the game that revolutionized fighting games Yeah, a long time ago. In, like, 1992. So it definitely feels old, but it also still feels... It's still fun. I mean, that's the thing, like, you know already. Yeah. And if you haven't... The other thing, I don't know, at this point, I guess unless unless you really want to play a 2D fighter and you don't have a PS4 and Xbox, because there's plenty of games. Like, I would say just better off getting Street Fighter 4. Hmm. Or something like that, if you have access to a game, a console that plays it. Or even the 3DS version at that point, right? No. No? Aren't they the same game? 
except once scaled down for the previous power. Not at this point. I mean, by the time Street Fighter, where Street Fighter Four is now, there's like maybe ten more characters since. The oh, previous never game. mind. Pretend I didn't say the and 3DS stages, version. I didn't know they still they did. So yeah, much there posts. was like, I think um, Street Fighter Four came out when it was called Super Street Fighter Four. Yes. And then after that, they have Super Street Fighter Four Arcade Edition. And oh, they, that's right. Yeah. And then they ended with Ultra Street Fighter right. Four. Okay, I retract my 3DS idea completely because yeah, that that'd be not wise investment. Well, you can get the 3DS version for like ten bucks sometimes on the yeah. eShop. So if you just if you want to dabble, yeah, if you just want to play a Street Fighter and don't really care, just get that one. Yeah, yeah. But so I guess that's Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, Tumble Seed. Tumble Seed, also known as um, ice, ice cold, cold beer, beer with obstacles. Yeah, besides the holes, that game is really fun. I did not think I would enjoy it as much as I would have, and honestly, I didn't even understand it completely in the beginning. I was like, "How is this a, I guess, a progressively generated game?" Just because everything the the game designer, I guess, the art direction just looks so clean that it's hard to see how it's everything's not like oh, picked out and planned out beforehand. But yeah, you just all you're really doing is just climbing up a mountain, holes appear. And different monsters try to kill you, but it changes every single time. And you just control the seed and using the two analog sticks to move a bar up. Each analog stick controls either the left side of the bar or the right side of the bar. So you can move only one side up to tilt it in one direction or the other side to do vice versa. Move them both up at the same time to move everything up. So unless you have it, so if you don't have them completely level, you're going to start rolling your seed. And... What makes this one different than Ice Cold Beer, which is literally just the the rolling, the physics part without yeah. any of the other obstacles. This one takes that and it allows you to, I guess, make it easier for yourself. Basically, there are diamonds along the path that if you roll over them as the standard seed that you start as, you create a checkpoint. So if you fall down a hole, you will only roll up to that point. Mm-hmm. You will fall down up to that point. If you turn into the crystal seed... And you roll over those same diamonds that would normally give you the checkpoint. You create little crystals, which act as your currency so that you can create more checkpoints because you don't have an unlimited number of checkpoints. You have to have, I think, at least three crystals per checkpoint. But you can also turn into another seed that every time you roll over those same diamonds, you get a little weapon, but those also cost crystals. So it's a balance between switching between, do you want more crystals? Do I want to at least have one weapon to attack with do i need to make a checkpoint because the further you go up um or i guess the further you are from the nearest checkpoint whether it's the starting or another checkpoint Mm -hmm. um the more damage you take so if you fall down a hole i think like i want to say it's like almost an interval of like a second and a half that you take a hit so if you're falling down for like four seconds back to back then you're probably going to lose all your hearts because you start with three hearts so you, it's almost a necessity to put checkpoints, but I guess you could be like, oh, I'm just going to try not to get hit at all. It's like right. a perfect run, so you're just eliminating one option. But you also have the ability to put, to create more hearts for yourself, so that's kind of what I prioritize. Just make crystals so I could have more currency, and then turn to the heart seed mm-hmm. to give myself more hearts. So you can just carry on. Yeah. But the game is really hard. It's definitely, I don't know, I want to say like, Binding of Isaac levels of hard. They... But just because it's... Yeah, the physics just make it hard. You definitely... You have to be very patient. And not even the same kind of patience like Snake Pass where the game is just slow. Yeah. Like, this game is a little slow, but... I mean, once you get really good at the controls, you could, like, maneuver through some areas pretty fast. But 
if you go faster, you're going to start losing control of your seed because that just tilts it too much in one direction. Like you really have to take it slow and very calculated. And that's what I really like about this game. The the difficulty, that, well, one, the developers seem to realize that some people are thinking it's a little difficult. They went. They had like a tweet storm the other day where they're basically like, we're going to try and like adjust the difficulty a bit. And we realize that's why the game's not doing as well as we had hoped. And to be honest, that's sort of why I haven't bought it. Because I'm the one that first brought it up on the podcast a while ago. Like yeah. I was like, this looks really cool. And then the HD rumble actually feels cool in this Does game. it? It actually does. Yeah, this cool. is one of the few games where you can actually feel the seed rolling from one end of the control to the other. That's cool. But yeah, like, yeah, that was one of the things where I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. And I was really gung-ho about the game. That came out, I just didn't get it because I heard it was really difficult. And then I was still sold on the idea. When we went and played Ice Cold Beer... Which, for those who don't know the backstory here... It has nothing to do with beer. The name is completely relevant. It's the... Yeah, so it's an arcade machine. A it's physical just, arcade machine. It's like a vertical pinball machine in reverse, kind of. Um, but much slower. And we stumbled... A, or That's an inspiration for Tumble Seed. It was this game, like an analog arcade game of the late 70s, early 80s, where you literally had that bar. You, it moves up. You have, two, you have the ability to control the two halves of the bar to raise and lower, just like Tumble Seed. It just didn't have any of that video game element. So if you you have to go to specific holes, but if you fall in a hole along the way, that's the end of your turn, and you do it again. And we had a chance. We literally just stumbled across it in the arts district here in LA at a video game at an arcade bar, and it was really fun. So I'm sold on the concept, but the difficulty was what was holding me back. But if the developers are actually adjusting it to not binding of Isaac levels, as you put it, then perhaps I'll take the plunge because everything else sounds great to me. It is like the 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 system with the seeds and the HD rumble, all that. Yeah, just the visuals too. It's just really it's cool. And it also has game, daily yeah. challenges, which is also cool. Like, oh, do they? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. How so? Is it just like what 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 would make make a challenge in that game? Is it just like try and get to a certain height or like just trying and... to beat the game? It looks like you could beat the game in one run, or it looks like right. you're supposed to beat it in one run because once you lose, you start over from the very beginning. So the daily challenge is just sort of oh the daily challenge yeah daily challenge oh the daily challenge just oh, gives you it's like. <laughs> A preset path, like, or usually, like... Uh, oh, so that's more like Ice Cold Beer. Or do it, like, with one hit, or, like, maybe you get, like, a certain ability preset. Because, yeah. like, along the way, you could get additional power-ups that are temporary, just pre-section. But I tend to ignore them, because they haven't... Re- they never really seem that helpful. They always right. seem too situational. Like, one gives you a turret that could fire in all four directions, but it's only while you're standing on a certain spot, and enemies aren't always in that area. Mm-hmm. So I just tend to avoid them. I just focus on getting hearts. Right, right. Yeah, the the daily challenge of like a preset pass sounds identical to what Ice Cold Beer basically yeah. is. And, and I just like the. I mean, it's a game on the cheaper end. And how much was it? I want to say either like fifteen or it's definitely under twenty. But well, interesting. I'm the, really the, it's, a, it's a nice indie game that I would definitely recommend. It's, it's also just different. Like kind of, it is very different. Like going back to Snake Pass is just a really different game. Like I never thought I would play a game that where it's controlled by. Tilting. I thought I guess it's kind of like Kirby Tilt and Tumble, so maybe I did play a game kind of like a, this. Well, it's a flat Tilt and Tumble, by the yeah. way, $15. Oh, yeah, there you go. So it was 15 Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like flat Tilt and Tumble. Mm-hmm. 2D Tilt and Tumble. Exactly. So it's cool. Sounds like I might have to reconsider it even without waiting for the difficulty I mean, it even to be adjusted. Ha- I, mean, there's a, I mean, it even has a story. Like, you're a seed from a little village, and there's, like, this monster making holes, and you could talk to NPCs just by rolling in front of their dialogue box. Yeah, like, that's kind of cool. Like, they... It's interesting. Like it's definitely really different just how they try to make little 
villages and how you interact with characters or how you go to a store to buy things you have to like roll yourself to the entrance and you have to roll yourself to the counter and what you want and stuff like that hmm. so it all it's all staying very true that ice cold yeah it, it, it kind of reminds me of zelda when you're in the little villages just because the layouts are pretty similar right like zelda 2 i'm guessing you mean like zelda link to the past i guess oh sure because that's also 2d and sort of top downy yeah but yeah because i mean even though it's 2D, I mean, it's still, you're still traveling in a 3D space. It's sort of, cause, Yeah, because yeah. you're, you're walking forward and backwards, yeah. So. That, that's the funny thing is, like, so when we, when I first saw footage of it, and even when I tried to talk about it here on the show before, I always saw of it as you're moving vertically up. Like, you're moving, well, yeah. like, I, no, well, I yeah. viewed it like. Well, you're climbing you're, up a mountain, you're rolling right, up a mountain. Right, but I view it as, like, flat in the sense of, like, you're going up, you're going down. But in reality, you could argue you're moving forward in a top-down. On an incline. Yeah, on yeah. incline versus me thinking, oh, it's like going up and down an elevator, which it's not. So it's yeah. just kind of funny that you're, I had to change my, how I perceive the physicality of it. Yeah, but once you wrap your head around it, it it's a really yeah. good game. Oh my god, the one thing I definitely have to notice, it has the longest, longest load times of any Switch game, and I don't know why. Well, Mr. Shifty apparently has long load times now that they put out the patch, just fair warning. But well, well, I mean, I've played it. Are they longer? I it felt the same. Oh, people are complaining it's longer. Maybe it's placebo. I didn't really notice. But how bad are tumble seats? Oh, God. I don't know. It's just, it's so long that you start to wonder, like, okay, something wrong. It froze. Yeah, like, you start the game and then you go to that black screen. Then you see, like, a little seed plant itself and it's just, like, waiting there. Does it not even animate the loading screen at that point? Well, the the little leaf is, like, animated. It's just just moving. But it's not frozen. It it doesn't tell you, it doesn't show you any progress, like, of how far it's going. And then at some point it just flies away and then the game starts. Oh. But it's a uh, it's long enough for you to be annoyed by it. That's unfortunate. But after that, it's fine. Presumably, they could fix that when they do the difficulty tweaks. I don't know. The the loading yeah. thing's weird because it's digital. So I can understand if it's a cartridge. I know. Or, I mean, that's why it makes but... it. I have no idea why it does that, but it it just has abnormally long load times. Weird. So ignoring that, worth getting. Yeah, definitely. Easily. I think I'm gonna have to double back and get. Even for people like you. Even what? Even for people like oh, you. Oh, people like me. Your kind. My kind. The game enthusiast kind yeah. and with that that's our episode of uh Ranta podcast um, the, the chikorita uh, yeah that is that is we have caught chikorita oh man we should have every episode it's the bay leaf episode and then we end it with we caught our bay leaf but, isn't that what we were doing is that what we were doing i guess that's what we're doing now yeah our next episode the bay leaf episode will be on sunday june 25th it's gonna be our big e3 blowout um and you're not going to want to miss it because there's a lot going on. It's a bit removed from the chaos of the show. Busy. I mean, June 25th. No is, worries. Yeah, I mean, if you're busy, we understand. We don't – we're not the happiest about it, but we get it. But no, uh, June 25th, you know, that's a week after the show's over. That's a little removed from the chaos, but gives us time to digest everything. We're going to have, you know, uh, hands-on of the biggest games in the show, like Mario Odyssey, uh, all of Nintendo's lineup. I'm going to try and go hands-on with him. Impressions. We're going to have Tales from the show floor because I'll be there all three days. Uh, we're going to have analysis and the hottest of hot takes on uh, everything Nintendo announces, big and small. So be sure to subscribe to us on whatever podcasting app you use. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter so you don't miss our accompanying E3 photo gallery that will be going up before the episode or the episode itself. And uh, yeah, you can also, I guess, follow us individually on Twitter. We're probably going to have E3 thoughts he is Wero, W-E-I-R-O underscore O. You can find me at JSR7. Who knows what we're going to end up tweeting. I mean, last year I met Kimishima and Reggie. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a photo with Miyamoto and you could be like, hey, that's that guy I listen to standing next to Miyamoto and not care as much as I would care because it's me. Who knows? But but above all, above all, just enjoy this week of E3 coming up and the and the like fallout from E3 because whether you're lucky enough to go there, I mean PlayStation was giving away badges the other day, but whether whether you're lucky enough to go there 
or you're just falling from home, or you're just listening to the two of us talk about E3 in two weeks, it's kind of fun to get caught up in the excitement and the hype, at least to me. Like, this is the gaming industry's Speak Christmas. for yourself. Yeah, I know. You're overhyped. But this, I, regardless of how you look at it, this is the gaming industry's Christmas morning. There's nothing else like it. So you should make the best of it. Enjoy it. Go consume way too many hours of Nintendo's Treehouse Live. And we'll see you on the other side. Thank you.